Welcome, everyone. Death can have me when it earns me. This is SNGP52. I'm your host, David Rad, former writer of Games Industry Viz, Industry Gamers, and Gamer Me. With me, someone who has the farm report. It's my editor, contributor, and partner in potting. It's Tuesday. I have the farm report, and death is also not going to get that. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, like, well, uh, well, I, I thought of a connotation, the, you know, hey, the farm report, like, it's too hot, like, it's too hot like it's been for the past three months. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, way too hot. Uh, funny, funnily enough, also uh, related to, uh, the, there is a remake of a game uh, that we'll talk about a little bit later, um, another game in that series was remade and Death was taken out of it. So death is just death just avoids I I guess just a lot of things now. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> well, uh, well, putting that aside, like we we will be covering state of play, the direct, brief mentions of stuff that was at the Disney and Marvel game and Ubisoft Ford stuff. That will be the topic. Uh, before we move on, I will just note again, thank you to our Patreon Secret Boy42 at patreon.com slash SNGP. We post occasional updates there. That's essentially our site. Uh, again, we appreciate any support support anybody's willing to have and certainly anybody's listenership. Thank you much. Now, let's move on to the housekeeping of the week. And... I just want to say, as somebody who's devoted some coverage and time to Babylon's Fall, it was, including a topic where we played the demo uh, and talking about the starting of the low player count uh, for a premium title laced with microtransactions and battle passes, it was still a bit shocking to recently read that the game is being shut down. The game is not even going to get a full year. I believe it is being shut down in late February. It's either late February or late March. It is not going to get a full year of existence. Mm -hmm. They have actually turned off the ability to purchase the game now. Uh, so, so nobody new can uh, can get in. Like at least online. Like whatever copies you can have, like will presumably work for the next year. But this also points out to like just how much having a service game. I mean, it's just the dangers they're in for that. It's just like okay, so like when this game goes away, it's just going to go away, yep. uh, and it's never going to come back. And the service games of it feels like both extremely baked into the experience, but also superfluous. Uh, if you remember our time from it, like it could have been like a single player action RPG or whatever, but they chose not to make it that. Yeah, it was a real, uh, real waste of potential and honestly a bit, uh, honestly a waste of talent as well. Uh, when I saw that, I was like, I'm not surprised. I think I, I don't think that I called that it would be shut down in a year. Um, but wow i'm <laughs> i laugh but it is kind of a bummer like they're not even gonna attempt to make it like better they're just saying okay bye yeah they've decided that the player count is too low and clearly they didn't have a good plan b for to like 
switching it over to free to play, mm. which is what I figured they they would have done. Like that would potentially bring in more people, but maybe they decided like, you know what? The reviews of this are too bad. It's not worth putting any more research on. Like I'm sure the number of active players right now was just absolutely dire. Mm. It's just like any like any more investment is just going to be more wasted money and we're canceling it. So yeah, like uh, about a half year after launch, they have de- they've decided this, and it's just shocking, it's dismaying, and it does not speak well to Platinum's potential future service game efforts. I mean, so. if anything, maybe this will make them reconsider it, but. I sure hope that they learn some lessons. <laughs> now, I watched a new trailer for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, to looking to see what, what it, it would be offering. Two things really stood out to me. There's another Rockstar trainer. There was a, there was one in the previous game, Sword and Shield. Uh, this one is named Mela. Uh, who comes out in a Mad Max style truck with giant speakers? Like, okay, kind of cool. Like her design. Uh, and then she comes out and she does a giant, a giant shout, and you hear nothing because there's no voices. I, and I was just thinking, like, oh, why would you put emphasis on that? Like, even like it's not even like a grunt because I I know what trailer you're talking about. Like, yeah, there's nothing there. Hmm. Yeah, like, it, it zooms in on her face, she yells, and you literally hear nothing. And I have to give them credit, at least they are not false advertising yeah. <laughs> that. I'm sure that is exactly what happens in the game. Uh, secondly, the game's mega mega evolution equivalent is the uh, terastalizing, which puts a crystal effect on the Pokemon. And I just want to say, I'm not alone in thinking it looks a little dumb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We'll know soon enough about like the quality of the game, but I just want to say like nothing really wows me about Scarlet and Violet, and and I wish we could just have like Mega Evolutions. Like that was a good idea. Like n- nothing they've d- they've done after Mega Evolutions has been as cool as Mega Evolutions. Exactly. Like Mega Evolutions was the coolest thing that they did. Uh, they did it really well in X and Y. X and Y were kind of short games, but uh, the Mega Evolutions there were super solid. Um, they did it again in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. They added a couple more in. That was cool. And then they just said, okay, never mind. Um, and the problem is, is that like they keep introducing like a new super mechanic just to be ditched for the next generation. And it like kind of makes me like yeah. every time like this crystallizing, whatever it's called, uh, dinosizing, something. Terrastalizing. Like it's such a... It's such a silly word. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, it I haven't I haven't written down. That's the only reason why I, I know what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, like every every time I see one of these new mechanics, like uh, it it's just like okay, this is a mechanic for this generation that I just don't care about. I won't use. Like the sun and moon was like Z moves, which was just like a special move for each Pokemon. That's boring. Uh, then there was Dynamax, which is just make your Pokemon bigger. Like, why not? Like, nothing was wrong with Mega Evolutions. Just stick with that. Like, add a few in, more in every generation and you're good. Yeah, I, that would be my expectation, too. Since it's not like every Pokemon had a Mega Evolution. But yeah, like, now I guess I guess that is too much to ask. So, yeah, like, the last generation was just make a Pokemon big. And now we have give a Pokemon a, a kind of not great looking crystallizing effect around them. 
Uh, yeah, it is what it is. So recently, and you are a user of the Twitter, so you maybe saw this, a striking distant CEO, Glenn Schofield, put out a tweet talking about the passion of employees working 15 to, uh, 12 to 15 hour days, six to seven days a week on Callisto pro protocol out of passion. This was all very ill-advised, calling back to the bad old days when Crunch was an, an inspected part of AAA game development. It was encouraging, however, that he apologized and players weren't likely to see this as a sign of quality rather than that of bad planning. After all, how much crunch happened for Fallout 76 and Cyberpunk 2077, and look at how those games launched. And that's not to say that, like, the game will be bad, but, like, I, it was just a very bizarre tweet in that, that just, like, you know, hey, like, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's some truth in there that, like, people believe in the project and whatnot, but also it's just like, hey, like, you're, you're also the guy who owns the studio and is writing everybody's paycheck, so. Yeah, yeah that's you know, a real the, bad look. I did see that tweet. Uh, I saw it uh, also a couple times on Reddit being like, hey, this is bad. Uh, it's unfortunate because I am really looking forward to Callisto Protocol, but it's like like that was a huge um, controversy around The Last of Us 2. Uh, and then like there was even a joke about it in the game, and it's like, read the room. Um, but yeah, it's, it's <laughs> very... Like, I get it that budgets have to, like, be met. Like, you know, if you're not putting something out, then you are going to be in the red. But at the same time, there's a reason that Activision Blizzard is unionizing right now. <laughs> yeah. And I also understand certain other pressures. Like, they want to get out before the Dead Space remake, mm -hmm. which, com which is coming out early next year. Yeah. Uh, they, and they and they want to get out by, by the end of the year. They want to get out before the holidays. Uh, and I think it's actually a really ripe time to do so, since like this holiday season, like is honestly fairly thin, all things considered, just because so many games have been pushed back to next year. Yeah, this is uh, yeah, this is really the year of the November release. There are a couple games coming out in November that have uh, <laughs> big hype on them. You know, some people were saying, like, they were sh they were shocked that, like, God of War Ragnarok is coming out this year. But I'm just like, it was going to come out in 2021, okay? It, it was basically delayed a year already. So, <laughs> uh, it, it had the delay built in. But, to uh, not delay any longer, talking about what we played, hey -oh, Tuesday, what has been lighting up your system this week? Uh, yes. Uh, I have been playing Power Wash Simulator, <laughs> the uh, calmest uh, game that I have ever played. Um, I Here's the thing that uh, some people may know about me, is that I like to split my focus uh, when I play video games. And uh, when I play games that have story in it, that's kind of hard. Because, you know, I gotta pay attention to the story, I gotta pay attention to what I'm listening to. And I could easily solve this by just paying attention to the game. Um, but I don't do that. Uh, and so, Power Wash Simulator was made for me. Uh, for those who don't know, it is a first-person uh, cleaning game. <laughs> uh, you have your power washer. There are no iron sights, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you're just given a, uh, usually like a house or a vehicle of some sort that is just covered in grime, covered in dirt. You just gotta clean it up. And it is an immensely satisfying experience. 
the gameplay is never too difficult. Um, the uh, houses or vehicles don't move. Like it's not, it's not like something that you go in. It's it's not a Souls like. <laughs> um, but it's it's just a nice little experience to like hang out and play some Power Wash Simulator. I when I initially started it, I didn't have all of the nozzles. Um, they do have a couple different nozzles. One is just like a straightforward, just circular jet basically. Uh, there's one that is that, but it also rotates, so it kind of like makes a clover pattern. And then there are various uh, horizontal uh, nozzles that you can actually rotate between being horizontal and vertical facing. Um, at first I was just going at it with the uh, straightforward uh, circle nozzle, uh, just kind of tracing, essentially drawing in the dirt, um, and it wasn't great. Uh, but then I was like, wait a minute, I can, I can make this more efficient. And so I uh, just started cleaning in lines, basically. Just uh, vertical or horizontal lines. I would take one of the, um, uh, one of the uh, wide-angle uh, nozzles and I would just trace up or trace down or trace left or trace right, and it, it ended up working. Um, a lot of these, the thing is, is that a lot of these levels are made very big. Uh, there was a house that I cleaned that I started um, like watching a movie and I started uh, cleaning it. By the end of the movie I was like maybe 30% done. The next day I was watching anime and playing Power Wash Simulator. I got another 30% done. And then the next day I was just watching YouTube and I got the rest of it done. So uh, that was probably a total honest time of like maybe like three or four hours of just like playing on and off. Uh, and that's fine, honestly. Like it's straightforward, it's simple, um, but it, it's just kind of what I wanted. Uh, the thing that I'm starting to not love entirely is that I've gotten to a couple later stages and they've introduced soaps and different soap types. There are some times where, um, sometimes it's predictable, sometimes it's not, uh, that like, a surface will just not get clean with your nozzle and you got to slap some soap on it. Um, that's not great because soap is a limited resource uh, that you have to buy and like playing the game every time you clean something it like dings when you're done like you get a nice little flash on the object that you've cleaned and you get like a little ding sound effect. You've cleaned it you get like five ten bucks. Uh, soaps cost like five ten bucks as well uh, and because they are the only thing that like actually has like sort of a ammo slash like count to it, uh, it can get a little frustrating. Uh, they, the soap nozzles are not as like pressurized as well as the other nozzles so it doesn't feel as fun uh, using them. Uh, and like sometimes if you're just like cleaning something and it's not getting clean and it's not getting clean and you like switch over to the, no the soap nozzle and like that's that's what cleans it up it's kind of uh, not as rewarding um, but I mean hey like in in most cases you can still like clean it with just the rotating nozzle but uh, yeah I've just been playing power wash simulator <laughs> uh, because that's that's what I do these days I guess <laughs> Need something uh, gratifying uh, and relieving after after a stressful day of work. So yeah. you play 
Power Wars Simulator. I just say that because you are not the only person I know who do this. I've, I have another friend who actually has been playing the game and talked about uh, spending a gratifying three hours ca- uh, cleaning up a, a metro station, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and I certainly understand it from just the perspective that like you can uh, just put put in some time and it's the immediate gratification of you uh it's like people watching youtube videos of people using power washers like it's just like hey you see something very dirty you apply the uh, the power washer to it and all of a sudden like it's uh it's sparkling clean Mm -hmm. uh it's uh you get that immediate uh, feedback and it's uh, it's great, and this is the the benefit of do, of doing that without uh, actually having to go outside or waste any water, uh, yeah, or or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like and uh, and it's at least nice because uh, while yeah, you're cleaning a bunch of houses, like you get that satisfying like ding, uh, you get that satisfying little like notification that hey, you did it, and like being able to see the progress that you made is pretty cool, like. Um, you can also track the dirt, like, uh, I've been playing it on my Steam Deck, and if I hit the right uh, D-pad button, it'll actually highlight the dirt in, like, this bright, vibrant orange that you can see. So then, like, uh, if you're, like, uh, looking at, like, a the house, the front of the house, and you just hit it, you can see what sections you've cleaned really easily, uh, and as you just keep going, like, you just see less and less of the orange, and it's like, this is this is just satisfying. Yeah, I read an interview with some of the developers of the game, and they said they actually had to push back against uh, the, those, uh, I think the publisher basically suggesting things like to basically make uh, it more difficult to add fail states mm-hmm. to the game. Uh, and they were like, no, no, we want it to just be a cozy experience, basically. Uh, it is the uh, it's definitely on the leading edge of the of the cozy games. Uh, yeah, adding not designed to ruin this game. <laughs> <laughs> you can just go in there, and maybe there's certain things you could do to be more efficient. But hey, whatever. Like you know, you're given as much time as you want. Um, it's kind of like how I, you know, a very different sort of cozy. Uh, well, maybe not too different as far as cozy game, but like when I talked about unpacking, mm-hmm. like there's just kind of the gratifying feeling of like taking things out of, out of boxes and putting them in the right place, and then when you finish up with the box, like it, it, uh, it disappears in a satisfying pop, uh, and it's just gratifying to have everything in a place, and it's it is similar in that way, and that is also a game with without a fail state. And uh, and there's it's also possible to turn on a no, a no lose mode as well, like where you don't even have to find the proper spots for certain items. Uh, though, I would definitely not recommend that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But 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 yeah, I I totally understand the appeal to doing that. Like even though it's it feels very antithetical to a lot of traditional game design, but you know sometimes people aren't looking to uh, push that boulder up that hill like maybe they're just looking for that uh, gratifying gameplay loop of just doing something and, and getting a response for it and feeling like yeah i accomplished something yeah yeah it feels it feels good to just do the thing like and it would have been nice to like sometimes sometimes i do wish there was like 
a little bit easier ways to do things. Like there are sometimes where like even if you're hitting the uh, other the um, D-pad to like highlight the dirt, it's like what have I not hit? Uh, there was this one house that was like a boot house, um, like a house made out of a shoe, uh, that kind of like old uh, nursery rhyme, I guess. And like underneath the tongue of it, it was not clean. And like I was hitting it from every angle that I could. And it was just dirt that was like beneath the wall kind of thing that I couldn't get to. Yeah, like there, there are some times where it's like a little bit frustrating with like the angles that you can and can't approach it at. Um, I'm not saying a soap grenade would be fun. I'm just saying that sometimes like there, there it's a little, it, it can get a little finicky. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's still fun. I, there, there are some ways that they try to combat it too, in that, like, there are different, like, pipe lengths. You can, like, just have it in your one hand, which, like, is the shortest range. You can extend the range twice. Uh, I usually just hang out in the middle range because it's, like, a good close-up and it gives you some range, some distance. Uh, but if you extend the range twice, then, like, you can't clean anything close to you. Uh, so, like, if, uh, for example, on that house on a boot, there was, like, this top layer of the boot that, like, I just, you could climb up a ladder and use, like, the shortest range, the stubby nose, uh, the stub, snub nose, rather, but, like, you would have to contend with the edges of the ladder then. Uh, so it was just easier to just extend the range a little bit. But the, sometimes it's just like, okay, I've cleaned this to the best of my ability, and there, it's still not dinging. What am I missing? Yeah, the, yeah, that is totally fair. And that is certainly the most persistent complaint I've heard about the game, uh, even for people who like it, are saying, like, you have to get to a certain percentage, and it's just like, okay, I need, I need to find this speck of dirt on this thing, yeah. particularly since... Since it's percentage based and like, and that might be fine on smaller objects, but like the bigger the object gets, like, you know, getting that last two percent, uh, my, you know, is is over like maybe an entire house. So, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of searching. Yeah. But uh, speaking about the stresses of everyday life, I recently played a motion comic called Still Stand. Uh, it is a motion comic about a depressed girl living in a, as far as I can tell, single bedroom apartment. The style of the game is, it looks like it was basically drawn with pencil. So it's a black and white contrast. And it's not that it isn't bad in and of, it, of itself, but like it's designed to have a certain aesthetic. Uh, as an example, like just, just look up "still stand" for, for yourself. Uh, it's S T I L stand, all, all one word, so you can get a uh, a feel for it. But um, yeah, it uh, it is a tale about her living in Copenhagen. And there's also like a shadow of a man in her, uh, in her in her apart apartment, and that man in her apartment is not an actual person, but like he's the actual person who's just kind of pushing her to do things, but she just kind of doesn't want to do it. Uh, it's just, uh, and kind of. Uh, Detailing all the reasons why, like, th she's kind of down on life. 
uh, one of the things you can do, like when you're just laying about in your apartment, is turn on the TV and noted, uh, like, of the three channels you can switch between, it's just like, okay, so one's a cooking show, the other is a weather channel that's emphasizing the increasing temperatures, and the third station was just viruses. And I was just like, yeah, this is this is very real. I can I can feel this. <laughs> yep. And uh, it's worth noting the game came out in 2021, so it's fairly contemporary. Okay, so it um, is about what I think it's about. <laughs> yes, it is. It is 100 percent about our existence. So I there let, let there be no <laughs> no doubt. Um, and she, one of the, uh, and after doing that at first, you pick up the phone and there's the Instagram equivalent. And, uh, can you imagine what all of the images are about on the, on the, on the, the fake Instagram? Uh, masks, a virus, sadness. No, no, no! Yeah, this is Instagram. So, is everything super happy? Oh. Like it's people, like oh, uh, you know, it's bread, bread. Yeah, it's just about people showing their their perfect lives because that that's what Instagram is just supposedly is about. Like, it's just the the images of of people's perfect life. But like, it's a uh, in contradiction to the main character who is. Uh, again, feel, feeling kind of down, she gets the idea like, hey, maybe I should get, uh, go out and go to a party. Uh, she she, do, she does that. As far as I can tell, like she's either she's either in university or just out of university. Uh, but yeah, she go, she goes to a party. She uh, she drinks enough to get sick. She dances a little bit. Although, like, at the same time, like, she still feels kind of lonely at the end of it. And it's worth noting that, like, the gameplay is often just uh, interacting with things, but also, you know, bringing the cigarette up to her mouth. It's basically to kind of emphasize parts of the story. Like, it's very, it's very minimal. Like, it's, it's, it's an experience. Like, it's a motion comic, basically. Uh, it's, it is an interactive motion comic. That's a better way of putting it. But, like, um, it's not obviously a difficult game. Uh, and I will also note that, like, even with the rough pencil sketch quality of the game in black and white, they're occasionally thrown in like dabs of color to like throw, put emphasis on certain things. Um, so, so yes, can you imagine like this sort of girl that I described before, like going out to a party? Like, you know, how, how do you think she she feels about uh, about going going to the party? Uh, she, like, to, take a wild guess. She doesn't love it at all. She hates it. And you are correct. <laughs> uh, so she so she goes to the party and she doesn't feel better. So she goes back to her apartment and mopes a bit, and then and then is like, you know, I sh I should go out on a date. So like, she's on the a Tinder equivalent, and finally swipes right on a on a guy who. Uh, and who messaged her and is able to pick her up for a date. Uh, they go to, <laughs> again, very on-the-nose experience. They go to, go to a museum that is... Uh, 
museum is that the, well anyways it museum art display whatever that is a, a thing about like it's like titled end of the world mm-hmm. or something like that uh and it's tough it's and it has multiple points about like how everything is uh how every everything is ruined and screwed and everything else uh her her date is is kind of an intellectual and she has difficulty keep uh keeping up uh there's a funny little part at the end of it where i'm like uh there's like a uh computer speaker that's like you know speaking you know yell into this and it it will judge you like you know he yells it into it and it says like you know you were a free free individual and she yells into it and it just pops up error (laughs) oh no Uh, (laughs) so so she so she has a she has an interesting time. It's interesting piling about. He he seems he seems like a cool guy, but uh, can, but can he like? And she even's like, you know, hey, can we do, can we do this again sometime? And can you guess what he what he says? He says no. He he says like no. I think you're you know. It's basically like you need to grow up a little bit. Uh, so he's not interested in her. So she again goes back to the apartment, smokes. Uh, look, looks looks on the television, say, same depressing images. And then after that, there's a motif of images walking in the burning city, and uh, and then being underwater, which is you know caused by uh, images of her date ta- talking about how she's not good enough. Uh, oh yes, the, mo- the I'm sorry, the modern art. Ex- uh, art museum had an exhibit for a dying earth that that's what it was titled <laughs> and on uh the nose. and i want to know th- <laughs> very on the nose and that's when i realized the game it was by uh liberal arts majors for liberal arts majors yeah that um, sounds about right <laughs> then after after going through all of that and getting to the end and being surrounded by blackness she receives a text from a, fr- a friend and wakes from her night nightmare and she notes that she'll eventually she'll forget the summer heat, uh, the uh, the the winter cold, all like this this the spring pollen, uh, all of the various seasonal maladies, and just at the end repeats, it will get better. Uh, so it is a certainly melancholic experience. Again, like her with her. With other, her other self, since I feel like, honestly, anybody with any real intellect at all, like we we have multiple voices in our head. Uh, there there should be open debate, and that's what the the black splotch in her apartment is like is uh, her standing next to herself. But uh, despite the kind of dour subject matter, it is ultimately hope, hopeful in saying like you know I'm I'm depre- I'm depressed today. It's not a great day, but you know this. This day will end. I will still be here, and I can move forward. So it's uh, very thoroughly inexperienced, like saying, like you know, f- you know, f- you know, fun. Like eh, it's it's not really about fun, mm-hmm. really. Uh, it's just it's just kind of an interesting little narrative experience that lasted about an hour. Uh, but uh, you know, I. 
I can appreciate things like this. And it's cool that things like this are like, say nowadays, like they, like I played that on my PlayStation, like, and that's great. You know, that was, uh, and I think I paid like 79 cents for it. So, Mm. um, you know, but yeah, I, I know this was, uh, I mean, this was obviously like a, a self uh, reflective tale, like talking about like the, the pandemic times and I totally get it, but I always appreciate the, like, even though, Hey, like things are down, but like, you know, things can't be down forever. Mm -hmm. Like that's a, that's a good message to have in the end. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the thing that I was thinking about when you're talking about is that uh, there depression is one of the weird maladies in that like, um, there, there are a lot of uh, fictional representations of different mental disorders, um, but anxiety and depression are left alone a lot just because it's like, yeah, like there, there's a big misconception about it being sad all the time when it's really just nothing that I do feels good right now. And um, it's hard to convey that. Uh, whereas, you know, uh, Hollywood has a tendency to be like, oh, this person has a, uh, a, psych- a psychiatric disorder. They must be evil or crazy. Uh, and a lot of the times it's just, it's mundane. Like my brain doesn't work right. Uh, and it's, uh, you just don't see it that much. Yeah. This is a, uh, a subtle piece of art, basically, uh, just talking about the conditions and dealing with it and, you know, and having, having ups and downs as normal. Mm. It's funny. I saw it and like, you know, how like this is, uh, I mean like even though like the, Wow, the developer was was European and still spoke to me as being like part of the just millennial experience, frankly, uh, uh, of feeling like you know why why oh why do do things have to happen this way? But but uh, yeah, but p- putting all that existential nightmare. Aside, Tuesday, what else has been lining up your system this week? Yeah, it could only go up from there, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, the other thing that I've been playing is, uh, and we'll talk about why, I guess, as well, eventually, uh, is I finished uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, the path that I was on, and I played the DLC. Um, full confession, I did finish Three Houses a couple weeks ago. I just hadn't talked about it. Because uh, I played other games a little bit more, uh, but I have played the DLC extensively this week, um, so that I, I can't talk about. Uh, so wrapping up the campaign of Three Houses was pretty okay. Uh, I was a little bummed that the campaign that I picked was actually shorter than other campaigns, which kind of like confirms something in my mind about the story. Um, but because I completed it, I have a new game plus save now, so I was like, all right, time to do the DLC. The DLC takes place uh, much earlier in the story, so there uh, it gives you the chance to play around with characters from all three houses um, instead of just the house that you choose. You get uh, the three lords, and then you get a healer, a uh, archer, and a axe, uh, an axe wielder uh, from the three houses as well. And then the rest of your army is filled up by the ashen wolves. Uh, which is the focus of Cindered Shadows. The Ashen Wolves is a secret house of the Garagmok Monastery in that uh, I was a, I was a little like you know iffy on it, but the story is actually pretty well put together. 
Uh, it is a group of exiles from society that are taking refuge from the uh, with the church. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, it talks a little bit about each of the characters. They're all pretty tragic. Uh, they're some of them are war criminals, some of them are deserters, like actual war criminals, as in uh, they were bad people, um, or they were just left to die, uh, and like now they're just hanging out here, and uh, when you come in, they're like, hey, don't be here because we think you're a threat. Uh, so the first map in that DLC is actually fighting the Ashen Wolves, and um, I don't know why. But uh, the DLC difficulty is really jacked up. Like, I, full confession, I played on uh, normal, which is the easiest difficulty, and I played on casual. Um, if I had not played on casual, by the second map, I would have four units left. Like, the difficulty is ridiculous in, in this DLC. A lot of it is because... Um, you don't level traditionally necessarily in it, um, like as as simply as you do in the main game. Uh, like obviously you level up when you are engaged in combat stuff like that. Um, but what I really liked about the base game was the fluidity of classes uh, and just being able to switch classes uh, before battle. Uh, keep see the improvements between switching classes, uh, see the improvements of just changing weapons with different classes. Uh, Three Houses lets you customize your characters a whole lot. Uh, uh, this DLC does not. <laughs> like, uh, you have Edelgard, Claude, and Dimitri as, like, three of your characters. They are pretty strictly locked into the classes that you can pick them in. Uh, and uh, Edelgard starts as Barbarian, class which is decent but for the fights that you're in you want her to be at a higher tier and um there is one map specifically that three houses has some pretty interesting enemies that are actually multiple uh squares of of the map um the most common type that you'll see are dolls or shadow beasts that take up just a little bit larger space um the dolls are kind of Mm, steampunkish like robots that can attack you um there is a map that uh these bigger units by the way also have multiple health bars um so if you knock one health bar out they just bring it back up um there is a map that has three dolls in the back so three big units uh each with multiple health bars that like take a while to get down and your goal is to touch three posts in the back of the map that are guarded by these dolls that keep respawning. Um, yeah, by the end of that map, I the character that I was using for movement had died, so I had to uh, change to a different character to just bridge the gap between the last statue that I had to touch, and they were like at three health left. Uh, it was a real beast. Um, then after that, there was a map where you just had to escape the enemies. There were invincible dolls following you. I don't know what IS was doing, what intelligence systems were doing, but they were really mad at people who played Three Houses. They were just like, we are going to give you a miserable experience. Um, 
in that in that map that you have to escape none of your units can die even if you're on casual like the game will like if you if a unit dies in the enemy phase the game will be like use the divine pulse turn back time make sure this unit doesn't die on that map i got a game over because i ran out of divine pulse time rewinds to save my units it was ridiculous uh there have only been like two or three maps in this DLC that play by normal Fire Emblem rules, which is kind of cool, but if the difficulty wasn't so jacked, I would have been more excited. Um, I did get to the final boss, I played around with it, and um, I actually like something that Intelligent Systems did in this DLC, in that like you only need to get up to the final boss to unlock all four Ashen Wolves in the main game. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna try the final boss, see what this is like. Uh, the final boss occupies nine squares of movement, has th has four health bars, uh, which the final boss of uh, the Black Eagles route also has four health bars. Um, all of the attacks that you do do seven or less damage to it. Uh, each health bar is 94, 94, 95 uh, health wide, uh, and it can damage multiple enemies in one turn. Uh, it has infinite range, so any like mage or archer that is going up against it is still going to get hit. Uh, it like clears the map. It it spawns little units that it eats uh, to regain health. So by the time like I had gotten to the middle of the second health bar, all of my units were in the red, and I was like, "This is ridiculous. I'm not doing this." Uh, so I have all the ashen wolves. I'm not going to beat that DLC because it's crazy. Um, I really wish I liked the DLC as much as I like the base game. The base game is super great. Um, I'm really excited to do a new game plus run. I eventually want to do a challenge run of the game, which there are very few games that like I play and I'm like, I want to try something crazy with this. Um, base game was great. This DLC is just not really tuned for what they give you. And it's kind of a bummer. So do you not get your characters all the way leveled up from the campaign? Um, so they don't carry over from the base game is the thing as well. Is that like uh, when you start the DLC, it's kind of like starting a brand new, um, brand new save file just for this story. So Edelgard will start at level 22, uh, Dimitri and Claude will start at level 22, and they're separate levels from the rest of the game. So, like, you can grind as much as you want Edelgard in the main story. That's not going to carry over to this DLC. Okay, okay. That, that's what I was curious about. That's what it sounded like, but I was just making sure. Uh, maybe they had gotten some feedback that, like, hey, the, we think the base game is too easy, and uh, and woe be to anybody who said that to uh, intelligence systems, I guess. Uh, so, you said you were playing on casual difficulty, right? Yep, yep. Now, does does casual difficulty mean that, like, anybody who dies during a map, like, they, they just they just come back? Like, they're, it's not permadeath? Yeah, yeah. Um, since okay. Awakening, uh, I actually think a game before that, there has been casual difficulty, which uh, makes it a little bit more like a standard um, SRPG, where if a unit dies, they come back the next map. Okay. Okay. That's that's what I think. Uh, that's what I figured. Mm. Uh, that I mean, <laughs> it sounds like they just wanted a challenge. Like that final boss sounds 
like completely ridiculous uh, in basically like I mean like there like what what can you even do like just accept death like I don't even know like from what you described mm-hmm. like it just like I, like like what what can you do yeah I I was reading like what do I do because like when I when I had finished the first um when I had finished the first uh, health bar like. There are certain moves in the game called gambits, which um, come from um, like little sort of militaries that you can hire for each unit. If you use a gambit on the on the boss, then it is targeted to that character uh, that attacked it. So what that means is that you'll hit it with a gambit. Gambits have a unique property in that they cannot be countered. They all they always only hit once though. So it's just a one-hit, non-counterable attack. Um, I've read a strategy that's like you just have to uh, send a really powerful unit up to it, use a gambit, then get everyone else spread out, uh, and just like focus in on him with their other attacks because he'll still be focused on the one unit who used the gambit, but that means that they're going to take a whole lot of damage when he like attacks next. Um, like you have to... If you're not taking care of his little minions, which those are actually pretty difficult to defeat, they start at like uh, 60 health and they have ranged magic attacks. So even if you have a ranger, yep, even if you have an archer or a mage, they're still going to get hit from that. Um, Like the only useful units that I found in that map, like really useful units, were uh, characters from the DLC. They they do have specific uh, unique classes. Um, that you actually unlock when you unlock each of the characters. Um, because they had, like, magic as well. They had, uh, like, one of them is a really great swordsman. Another is a brawler who uses fist-type weapons. Uh, another is, like, a dark mage flyer. Uh, and another is, like, a horse, uh, like, sort of a cavalier with a little bit of a magic spin to her. Um, the swordsman and the brawler were really useful. Edelgard was very useful because she's just... At this point, she is the third highest tier um, in the game because her uh, fourth and fifth tiers are story-locked for plot reasons. Uh, But she can still take a bunch of punishment. Byleth is really good just because um, she can deal out a lot of damage and she has a pretty good evasive uh, stat. But you're still, like, even with that, that only gives you like four valuable units like four valuable units that can at least stay alive longer than a couple of turns yeah you're, you can't see me right now but i'm shaking my head so i'm just like yeah, like four units a, just so, isn't enough for it. radiant dawn ish <laughs> uh, i mean like that's just not a good a good enough for like a full army yeah. like since uh i mean like it varies between both game and map and whatever, but, like, you know, typically, when you go out into the field, like, late in the game, you're fielding, like, a dozen units. Mm-hmm. Uh, and presumably, hopefully, at least nine of them are really good yeah. uh, that you can rely on. Uh, and it it doesn't sound like, like that's really the case here, like, and that's, uh, that's unfortunate. It sounds, I mean, it just sounds like they designed something to be compact and self-contained and difficult. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, like, it's, 
It doesn't sound all that fun, and I'm guessing there's no, like, any of the lesson planning and other stuff that people like from the main part of Three Houses. Nope. Uh, so the... That's, that's the thing, is that, like, with the base game, like, if you really want to, <laughs> you can make everyone an archer. If you really want to, you can make everyone a mage. You cannot do that in this DLC. Like, everyone's stat growth is just stuck to the classes that they're in, and the class tiers that they're in. Which is... You can really kind of see that three houses were not built around that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you are in fact getting the Radiant Dawn experience, mm -hmm. and uh, like because it's it's built that way. And by the way, I, I've been thankful for like when I've been talking about it and even asking questions about like you know can you do this or can you do that in Radiant Dawns and so like it's good at putting an emphasis to the point that just like no like Radiant Dawn just feels ancient yeah. uh in its design mm -hmm. like and it's not even like you know compared to uh the other Fire Emblem games that's that came after it it's just like hey one of the greatest strategy RPGs of all game time Final Fantasy Tactics came out a decade before it uh, and that game is so dynamic. It gives you so many choices and everything else. And Radiant Dawn is so Im immutable in the way you, in what you can do with characters. Uh, and, and just as I noted, like just the frustration that like main characters, their progress is locked behind story stuff. So like just the fact that for a decent part of this game, I just had Ike wandering out into the middle of the field without a sword because I didn't want him stealing experience. Uh, like, and, and that's just stupid. Like, it's just like, Hey, like here, here's this great character, like, but you shouldn't use him. Mm -hmm. Uh, like that, 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 <laughs> that, that isn't any fun to me. Like, I, I don't know who that would be fun, fun for. It's just like, Hey, you've got this great character. Now, now just don't use them. Yeah, uh, because they're they're just a they're just an XP soak. Yeah, that was uh, that was the thing that I really liked about the end game of Three Houses is that like I was constantly like, okay, I want to make sure that my units are are leveled evenly. Everything's kind of balanced across the field. Everyone's at the same point. I never had to like go and do extra maps to grind for experience. Uh, even the units that I didn't use that much like were in the high twenties, uh, early thirties in level wise. Um, in my highest level unit, Edelgard, uh, it was either Edelgard or Byleth, was just sitting at like 45. Like, it's it's not a... It goes with the uh, standard Fire Emblem experience of small numbers, uh, but like, small numbers modularly just increase and are terrifying when they, when they get up there. Uh, you're not going to be doing thousands and thousands of damage, you're going to be... Like, a good hit is like 20 HP. Um, but even then, like, the units that, like, I wasn't using so much, they they were still vi battle viable. Like, uh, that's that was what was so great about Three Houses is that, like, no matter what I was doing, everyone was at least getting, like, weapon experience throughout the weeks, uh, throughout the free time in the game. Uh, I could get, like, weapon experience off of them through, um, like, just talking to them in the uh, monastery, in the free roam parts. Like, there was just a lot of ways to, like, keep your army, like, well, well-nourished. Uh, yeah, that's, that is something that is, like, like I, uh, I played Awakening a whole lot. Um, there was a significant part in Awakening where I was only fielding 10 units and everyone else was in, like, level 1, level 2, level 5 at most. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, and 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 that just goes to show like how again like the progression of the systems within Fire Emblem I think have uh, evolved a lot since like that's also I mean I feel like that's a very classic Fire Emblem thing in and of itself mm-hmm. and like again like to to go back to Radiant Dawn like there there are some units that like I just don't use and at this point have avoided using since so it's just like why bother like you can only field so many units and like just trying to keep everything else um uh, like up with them it's like it's like why like uh, there there's no incentive to uh, to use them like the the units are just kind of sub in, in in and of themselves i might as well give the experience to the units that actually matter something to me um and uh you know like they're like it's not even like i've i've honestly like just uh, like ran uh, like just remove certain units from my starting lineup as opposed to like having useless low level units in there that that all they can do w- would be to get killed. Yeah. Uh, you know that's that is just the fact and yeah and that's you know that's great to hear again like they they have uh, seen to that very real issue and I mean like you know it's also a big issue that like. Radiant Dawn has, uh, I think again, I, I looked it up. It's like the second most units of any Fire Emblem game in the, in history. Uh, there's too many units. That's the reason why they give you battle XP, which is just XP you can hand out in the middle. Which is just like, hey, like you know, even if there's somebody who like, like let's say you only encounter them briefly in this in the very short second chapter, and like, and by the time they re- they come back in with the, with the party, there's no way that they have parity. But it's just like you can just dump a bunch of experience in them potentially to, to get it, but. Another extra thing I should note about battle experience in the game is like, you know, yes, you can use it and yes, you can level units with it. However, there is actually a limitation on the number of abilities that will level when you achieve your next character level. Like, I think it's three. Mm-hmm. So it's it's actually kind of a worse way to level if you use it that way. So... You know, so it's just like, yeah, sure, of course, of course, intelligence system would put a, put a limitation on the system they created. Um, so yeah, anyways, uh, got off on a uh, radiant dawn tangent there again, but um, radiant dawn I am seems glad pretty you, bad. <laughs> it's I, I I have not played it recently. It just it just hasn't come up yet. It's just. It is just it just frustrates me when it, whenever I do. But yeah. anyways, what has been lighting up my system has actually been Spider Man Two. Ooh, uh, nice. Yeah, and we are talking about the movie based on or the game based on the movie uh, that uh, I am actually playing the Xbox version. The Tobey Maguire movie uh, now, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. The, yeah, the, this is, yes. Uh, the, the, the second of that original uh, trilogy of, of movies. But, uh, and I just want to note that uh, the game throws you in and it puts you in a tutorial. And there's also various help messages that you can consult in the game. And you get a small amount of experience when you look at them. And they're all narrated by Bruce Campbell. Uh, <laughs> I just want to say this definitely adds something to the game. I can also tell that like they gave him a script for 
various things, but like, because like there'll be text on screen, but like what the text is and what Bruce Campbell says is not always one-to-one. And I have a strong feeling that he just ad-libbed certain lines and it's just like, you know what, go with it. Like it's, it, he made it better. Uh, like there's, uh, the, there's one in particular that like, it was a, uh, Tutorial, tutorial bubble at the level which like I interacted with and he said like you know hey uh, there there's over 200 of these out in the world and uh, and if you manage to find find them all then I'm gonna be really impressed because that mean that means you need you need a lot of help uh, <laughs> the, everything after like I'll be really impressed was 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 not on the text on screen it was just something that that he said uh, but uh, now the the core part of the main reason I'm playing this game is just because uh, it's one of those licensed games that like I like some people really liked this game mm-hmm. and I think uh, a big part of it comes down to the web slinging. Uh, this is actually the first Spider-Man game where. Uh, where the webs you shoot out like ha- uh, like stick to buildings, and it's not just like he's firing off into the air. It's just like no, you have to actually attach it to a building. So you are like swinging at, like actually off of buildings or other high structures, uh, and like it's cool. Like I could tell that so much technical design was put into getting that to work. And if you think about this, like for an original Xbox, and I mean that this game came to like everything came to PS2, came to GameCube, whatever. Like for like a PS2 era game to be able to do this, I'm playing and I'm going like this is actually kind of impressive. Like it's able to do that. Like you were able to uh, to, to web sling around, and they make it feel gratifying. Like there's actual physics behind it. Like you know, actually timing the like you know, hey, like releasing at a certain point so you get the uh, get enough momentum. Like if you, if you release too late into your swing, like you'll of course like go straight up in the air. Like so you want to time it like as you're kind of uh, coming down around like with centrifugal force, and it'll throw you farther, and like. That actually feels good, even if like sometimes trying to get precise to a precise spot and stop can be uh, a little hairy sometimes. But still, like it, like it's fun. It's good. Like that core Spider-Man fantasy. No game had done it before this, and this game does that pretty okay. Uh, now, the first sign that this game would be veering outside of the story structure of the movie was when Black Cat showed up. Uh, apparently, she was going to be in very early scripts for the film, and I guess they repurposed elements of that for this game. Uh, I just want to note that it's odd to me that as a popular secondary character and occasional love interest to Peter Parker... Uh, Black Cat has never made a live-action appearance in any Spider-Man movies. Although, apparently, she was going to appear in the Amazing series had that continued. Uh, but that, quite infamously, uh, died after died after two movies. Uh, by the way, I will just add, like, you know, yes, part of inspiring all this, like, was Spider-Man No, no Way Home... Uh, which uh, it came out a little less than a year ago. I watched that movie. I, I love that movie. 
it is the tribute to all of the Spider-Man movies that had come out in a way that I didn't know I needed. But, um, but yeah. It, but as far as like for this game, uh, all the big stars actually lend their likenesses and voices to it, which was mildly shocking. Uh, this includes Tobey Maguire, Alpha Marie, uh, Alfred Molina, and Kirsten Dunst. Uh, though J.K. Simmons does uh, does not voice J. Jonah Jameson, which is mildly disappointing. Though apparently he did for the PSP version of this game, which is which is hilarious to me that somehow that was the case, but I guess it was. Uh, I just want to note that a big part of what you have to do in the level, since so like there's main story quests that like come up. And you have to, and you have to go there and take care of. It feels very much like a open world game of the era, in that there is a big open Manhattan that you have to swing through, and like doing quests involves like going to uh, different places around the map and interacting with those with a story object. Uh, however. Like, sometimes you will just need a certain base amount of experience in order to get to the, uh, like, get to the next story beat. And definitely doing the major story, story quest will give you a certain amount of experience, but sometimes it is not, uh, not enough, so you have to do side stuffs that uh, f fill up your experience meter a bit more. And this, this mainly involves... A handful of things. Bank robbery. Shootout with cops. Someone is falling off the side of a building. Be beat up a bunch of thugs. Unfortunately, by the end of the game, and it's not especially a long game, but, like, I did all of those several times. Uh, and it's not just that, like, those missions happen and, those, those like, those descriptions I give. Like, the structure is exactly the same every time it comes up. Uh, now, for the camera, I'm willing to cut Treyarch a little bit of sl slack. And yes, this is Treyarch, mu much more famous now for being the developer of the, of the Call of Duty Black Ops series, but they were the Spider-Man developers back in the day. Uh, I can, I'm willing to cut them some slack since a lot of cameras weren't great back in the day. But when you climb a building, the camera goes vertical, like behind you, so you're looking up. And when you leap above the roof, it, it goes back to hor horizontal. Like, it kind of immediately shifts up. As you might imagine, that is never not disorienting. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you're leaping up, you're like, and typically, because the game gives you this ability, like, you're doing, like, a super leap up, but... It's, it's like it couldn't get around to, like, hey, it'll shift up and it'll immediately go to behind you camera. And, like, uh, frequently I would just, like, jump off the side of the building because, like, it'd be, it'd be like, you know, myself relative to the building and where I was, like, I, I would lose track of it. Uh, so it's it's part, it's parts like that that, like, the game does kind of show its age in that way. Uh and, I, and another thing is that, like, you have a dedicated dodge button, but, like, what do you think of a, a dodge in a, like, describe to me, like, how, how a dodge would work in a, in a modern game, like, in, a, in its basic essence. Yeah, uh, it would be 
probably like a forward or backward kind of roll kind of thing. Uh, maybe side to side. Yeah, like, yeah, like like you press a button and you like dodge, yep. right? You dodge out of the way, and you can do that at every time. Yeah, that's not the way it works in this game. Dodging is reactive. Like you, ha- like you have to see the warning pop up on screen, and then you hit the dodge button. Oh no! Uh, yeah, and so because of that, it like it just doesn't feel good. Like you're like I'm. It's like you can be in the middle of something, and thankfully, like you can be attacking and then immediately hit the dodge button button to dodge something. But like, I don't know. It just it doesn't feel terribly intuitive. Um, and and that's kind of like probably the biggest do- like downside of the game I would say is just that like the combat just doesn't feel very good. Like you unlock a variety of combos and despite the fact that you have only technically one attack button, it gives you a bunch of like combo attack strings that like hit all of the four face buttons if you want to mash out specific things. But for me, it's just like, I'm, I'm not going to memorize that. I'm not going to memorize specific combos and that. Like, everything other than stuff that uses, like, the the web to, like, capture something or what that, it's just like, like, what, what does it really matter? Uh, and there's also the fact that, like, certain enemies, like, if they just kind of choose to, as far as I can tell, they can just decide to, like, dodge or block your attacks. Uh, and there's And there's no, like real ability to like 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 do a super wind up breakthrough their attack or something like that. Uh, and you might ask like you know well what about using the web? Like they can dodge that too. Uh, so sometimes there will just be periods of like just trying to hit the enemy and it it never feels like anything is connecting as satisfactorily as it should. Uh, uh with which is which is unfortunate, mm-hmm. but but yeah, it so there's some interesting elements like there's whole side stories built around uh, Mysterio and Shocker. I think a big part because like the base plot of the game or the movie would not be enough for this game, along with the fact that like uh, like you don't re- like you're playing from Peter's perspective. So you're with him the entire game. So like the parts of the movie that were like from Mary Jane's or like Harry's perspective, like you only see them when, when, when Peter is in the room. So like once you, once you cut that out, it's just like, ah, like there, there needs to be something more. So like there, there's not bad little interludes with, with Mysterio and Black Hat and Shocker and whatnot. Uh, the Black Hat one feels the most significant since, like, she's basically the counter-love interest of Mary Jane. I will say, though, like, in just the way they present Mary Jane, I'm just like, you know, Peter, what what is your obsession with, with Mary Jane, like, <laughs> as compared to... Like, really, like, they're, like... And part of it... Yeah, like part of it is the structure of the game. You Like, you're, you barely get to see Mary Jane, and she... It doesn't really contribute much to the story, like other than being somebody that I guess Peter is in love with. Uh, it's just like okay, so like you have this, uh, like this, uh, you know, badass hot superhero, and then on the, on the other hand, you have this like mopey girl who's already engaged to somebody else. Uh, it's like like okay, like why are like I, I don't I don't see why you're being such a stick in the mud about this, Peter, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Yeah, Black Cat gives <laughs> Peter every reason to dump Mary Jane, and he's just like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, but she's she's my she's my girlfriend. I love her. <laughs> Like no, it's it's actually like no, it's like no, I love her because like because he's not she's not his girlfriend mm-hmm, to start mm-hmm. but like she's dating somebody else. She gets engaged to somebody else, and this is a spoiler. This was in the movie. Yeah. Uh, so so it's like it's like you know like maybe move on mm-hmm. like. And, and like the thing is, is that like continuing with that canon in the third movie, they have like relationship problems like that. That is a relationship yeah. that's going nowhere, dude. You can like, yeah. you can tell Mary Jane whatever you want, and she can understand that you know you're, you're Spider Man. But on the other hand, you could be dating a woman who is also like a a superhero slash rogue. That's a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, just just share that life. But anyways. I mean that obviously can't happen right. since that's not, not like can of the story or whatever. Like and as I said, like Peter Parker has to be super boring. Uh, so anyway, there's you know it. I will just say like there's certain parts of it that just feel like kind of uh, it feels its age. It feels unpolished in certain ways, like particularly around the combat. But like it's. It, the game is still is still kind of fun for what it is. Like I'm willing to give people credit. Like I mean, I will say like anybody who thinks of it, who in their memory like really pumps this game up, I would say like probably leave this game in the in your memory. Okay, like uh, you might not like it as much in the 2020s as you did nearly 20 years ago. So, um, but uh, but it's not a bad game, and especially like for a licensed game, I can, I could tell that like Treyarch like they tried like uh, not every licensed game from that era I would say the de- the developer gave it a good face shot, and they they were actually trying to make this into a real game and not just a, a cheap toy knockoff. I remember playing a little bit of that game, uh, and uh, I was I didn't play much of it because I. I actually was a bit of a fool, and uh, the game was like, "Hey, go to the store and and upgrade upgrade your moves." And I was like, "Where is the store?" Just exploring the open world. <laughs> um, but I remember quite liking the open world a little bit. Uh, does I know that the first game had a bunch of alternate costumes that were just like based off of different characters? Does this does this one actually have alternate costumes based on Spider Man? Um. That I don't know. I didn't okay. uh, encounter any alternate costumes. I know, like in the first, in like this, the original Spider-Man game, like they actually built out a Green Goblin campaign, which is a, which is crazy to me that like they actually oh, that's super made cool. green. Uh, yeah, like that, that like Green Goblin was actually a, a playable character, and like I, I was, I was shocked about that. There was nothing quite like that. By the way, I will say, like when it comes to the actors, like Toby, Toby McGuire is fine. Like. Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst, she's she's barely in in there, but like it, it seemed like she barely cared. Alfred Molina, however, like you know that that dude like was giving it his all in every line. I have full respect for him. Like he was like there was no doubt in my mind that like he was uh, he was full character actor Doctor Octopus, uh, whatever he was reading, and like and that definitely made whenever he was talking uh, a little bit better. Uh, 
yeah, uh, Alfred Molina. I remember the first two Spider-Man uh, movies with Tobey Maguire were amazing. Uh, like, the second one is uh, one of... It's not one of my favorite movies, but it is a movie from my childhood that I, I look back on fondly. Um, uh, yeah, I, I uh, love them. The second Spider Spider-Man movie is one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. Uh, and... Uh, like, and a big part of it is Alpha Molina. Like he's he's perfect. He's he's perfect in that role. Uh, the third Spider-Man movie is is kind of incredible in its own way, but uh, <laughs> but uh, in a often ironic way. But like, anyways, let's not get caught up in the weeds talking about that. But yeah, like I mean, I can appreciate like this uh, game's p- place for both like. Uh, fans' hearts, and both also for, like, the development of Spider-Man games, which, like, Spider-Man has gotten a lot of games over the years, uh, but their their quality has been very mixed, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I, I play the, uh, I'm not sure if you remember this or not, but, like, there was a Spider-Man game that came out on the PlayStation 1. Uh, also got pointed Dream, Dreamcast. Like, I played, played that, and I'm here to say, like, that game is not very good. Yeah. I remember that um, game actually. I didn't play it, but I've seen gameplay of it, and I remember that that game does have like interesting costumes in it. But I, that's not a good game. <laughs> no, no, it, it like by modern, it, like even by standards of the time, I don't think it was great. And I think as time has gone on, it has it has aged very, very poorly. And yeah, like they're like I mean, the combat in this game like is is a little bit better than that, but like the, like. It, it was complete trash in that game. Like it, it was just the the novelty of like actually having a superhero game and like having a, like a three D game with Spider Man. I, I think that was a big part of its appeal since that was the first attempt to bring Spider Man into three D. But still, not not a great game. This is a better game than that, but uh, but still. Uh, so switching over from. Uh, game I played on my Xbox to uh, Xbox making waves of certain things called Duty Smooth Transition. Uh, definitely the story that got the most talk recently uh, has been uh, Xbox head Phil Spencer talked about the commitments he made to PlayStation recently. This was reported by The, the Verge. Uh, and uh, Spencer said in January we provided a signed agreement to Sony to guarantee Call of Duty on PlayStation with featuring content parity for at least several more years beyond the current Sony contract, an offer that goes well beyond the typical gaming industry agreement. Uh, now, this, uh, I mean, this is obviously the the biggest bone of contention when it comes to the whole acquisition here, so... This is notably a place right here to uh, to announce such a thing. Like, and there, and obviously Phil Spencer is trying to frame this in a certain way. Um, but uh, uh, the much less talkative uh, G- uh, PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan actually provided a response to this. Uh, when asked about like the specifics of the, of the deal and how uh, uh, and how uh, how ge- how generous he thought it was basically 
And he said to GamesIndustry.biz, I hadn't intended to comment on what I understood to be a private business discussion, but I feel the need to set the record straight because Phil Spencer brought it into the public forum. Microsoft has only offered for Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation for three years after the current agreement between Activision and Sony ends. After almost 20 years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, their proposal was inadequate on many levels and failed to take into account the impact on our gamers. We want to guarantee PlayStation gamers to continue to have have the highest quality Call of Duty experience, and Microsoft uh, Microsoft's proposal undermines this principle. Um, so, an interesting tit for tat. Not as like kids don't even know like how like sophomore certain executives could be during the '90s, like sniping back at each other, uh, even the early 2000s. But uh, and this isn't quite that, but this is it's still. It's still weird for me to see like this coming back up again. Basically, CEO is kind of sniping at each other through the press, uh, or at least trying to like get their story presented. Um, uh, and it it is worth noting that like when it comes to Call of Duty, um, the, like it has been nearly twenty years for PlayStation since like it didn't actually start with the first numbered Call of Duty, which was actually technically Call of Duty Three, which came to the PlayStation Three. And uh, actually, there were actually two PlayStation uh, Two releases that ca- that came out. They were kind of side games to the main game, but I mean, like they they still released they still sold millions of copies they still had call of duty in the title and that goes all the way back to 2004 so yes it has actually been nearly 20 years of uh call of duty on playstation i like it's one of those things that like i didn't like fully process until he said it. i was just like oh oh yeah i guess i i guess i guess that's right i guess it has been nearly that long uh and I remember that was still back in the day when, like, as compared to the PC releases, which were the main releases of Call of Duty, like, the uh, the console releases were really derided as inferior. But it's still one of those things at the same time, like, hey, they still sold millions of copies. Like, uh, like you know those Call of Duties that released on, like, the DS back in the day? I don't think those games were very good, but they still sold a lot. Uh, so... There, there was a significant era of Call of Duty that like was just disperse like a plague upon the industry. Hit every <laughs> console you can. Doesn't matter the quality, just be there. Um, just honestly to ship numbers and like that's that like I understand where Sony is coming from is that the numbers that Call of Duty does is that. Like that is just an entire almost industry in and of itself. How how freaking much Call of Duty sells every year? Like, if Call of Duty skipped a year, that would be like a chunk of the industry money that is just not necessarily gone, but that's a lot of sales that aren't happening. And and for this reality that Microsoft is proposing is that you get three more years of it then all of that money returns to us. Oh, that, yeah, that is, that's more than a divot. That is a, a ravine in profits. Yeah, and if you think about it, since, like, uh, the current deal, which is three years, like, that is that is pen to paper right there. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the other offer that Microsoft is paying, uh, like, 
the several years as Spencer is is saying it, and and Ryan is is basically saying like, no, no, this is for three more games. Like, if you think about it, like I feel like that gives a particular time scale right there. So we're talking six more games here. Like, and where like after six more games, where does that put us? Like that puts us at the end of the current console generation. So like. They're, both sides are thinking long term here. They were thinking that like, hey, like, uh, at the start of the next generation, Microsoft would love to be able to open with uh, Bl- Bl- Black Ops Eight or whatever, uh, ex- exclusive to the uh, the the Xbox Next or whatever the heck they decide to call it, uh, and. Like that, that would obviously be a huge thing for them. Like if they could eventually shift over and be like, Hey, like after that amount of time, like, Hey, it's now exclusive, like particularly for like the start of a generation, because that is when people make a lot of purchasing decisions and people will jump ship. So like, I feel like that's where they're trying to position it at. And I think PlayStation sees what the, what the strategy is there. And like, and as noted, like, that's not too long. Both of these corporations are thinking very long term. They are not thinking uh, this year or the next year. Like they are thinking se- several years down the road, and like, and that is something perceivable. That like, hey, that could potentially change the landscape of things if like start of the next generation, next call, next Call of Duty. Like, hey, you know, only on Xbox. Uh, you know. So it's. It's going to be interesting to see how exactly this plays out. And this does actually tie into a, another story that I'm going to cover later in news. But before we do that, uh, Tuesday, why don't you give us some information about your favorite news topic in the world, NFTs? Yeah, they, they keep coming back. Um, it's less than before, but still there. Um, we'll start with GameStop Uh, GameStop is continuing to post losses Uh, the retailer blames a transitional quarter and says that it has spent past year making up for years of underinvestment and modernizing the business how do you say that Uh, for uh, you ask um, well they answer with NFTs Uh, one of the propriety products he uh, referenced is the retailer's NFT marketplace, which launched in July. The company did not address its performance in any substantive way, but for long did say that it, it expects blockchain and NFT technology to be increasingly relevant to collectors and gamers of the future. Uh, for specifics, the numbers uh, net sales are down 4% to $1.14 billion, and net losses are $109 million compared to $62 million in the year-ago quarter. Uh, we also have a quote from Furlong. I want to begin by reinterpreting, reiterating the deep appreciation we have for our stockholders, unrivaled enthusiasm, passion, and support. As we work to transform GameStop, these remain unique tailwinds for us, ones we will always recognize and value. Um, so yeah, uh, obviously that's by, uh, NFTs that, uh, nobody values. 
<laughs> I love his whole expression in that, like going on to, uh, to say, like, you know, we value all of our meme stockholders. Thank you for propping up our stock with your weird meme plays, mm. uh, because otherwise we don't know where we'd be at. So it's like, obviously, we're not a profitable company. Yeah. Uh, and our NFT things are very nascent, and it looks like the bottom is kind of falling out under that right now. But, but like, hey, like, we're. Uh, I mean, they're not trying to claim, I guess it's all fine, but, like, I guess it's maybe the idea that, like, hey, maybe in two years it'll be fine, like, when, when this whole theoretical business, it, it's like everything else around NFTs, like, saying, like, no, in the, it, it's going to be great. It's gonna, In the future, it's going to be great, guys. It, it'll be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, we've talked about this, is that it's a very speculative economy. And um, six months ago, it was annoying, but it was real, like, sort kind of real kind we'll, we'll always have to put the kind of real on that um but like you could theoretically actually make money off of it if you were early enough to be annoying but now now that everybody really knows how stupid nfts are and uh <laughs> they've realized it's a pyramid scheme this is a business decision that's not gonna go well like you I haven't heard a single person say, oh, yeah, real glad I got that NFT deal from uh, GameStop there, you know, like, and, and the other thing is that, like, the biggest thing that GameStop can do is sell you used games. At the moment, used games are actually not extremely valuable, but we are starting to see how video game preservation is just not a thing. Uh, for example, something that you and I have talked about in the past quite frequently is uh, the PS2 market is ridiculous. Um, right now, I, mm -hmm. GameStop doesn't even sell PS2 games anymore, but that's actually a field that they could make real money off of. Like actual cash, <laughs> not the speculative value here. It, and, and the thing that they're just shifting towards this digital nightmare of stupid, like it really shows that they're... Not they don't really care. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about like actual retro games is like I feel like in order to get value off of that, then GameStop would actually have to put some effort into maintaining its old stock yeah. and like in selling, preserving things. But that has never been right. what GameStop has been about or done. So because of that, like it falls onto the other secondary market, the pop mom and pop shops who are willing to put in that effort mm -hmm. and maintain a certain level of quality. Um, so, so speaking of like obviously re re like realizing some things about NFTs, like uh, the uh, Ubisoft, the Ubisoft CEO had some interesting remarks about that since they're. One of the few, like, actual real game companies that has actually done something in this space. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, we have reported on Ubisoft, their digital NFTs, or digits, as they're called. They were introduced to Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Uh, during a Q&A session, uh, the Eurogamer asked for, the website Eurogamer asked for an update on digits, to which Yves Guimont responds, We really look at all the new technologies. We are very capable, we are very much on the cloud, on the new generation of voxels, and we're looking at all the Web3 capabilities. We tested a few things recently that are giving us more information on how it can be used and what we should do in the universe of video games. We are testing, we are testing ground with some games, 
and we'll see if they really answer the player's needs. But we're still in research mode, I would say. Uh, exploring doesn't mean launching. This industry is evolving quickly, and it's very cautious about the impact it will have. Like so many things, at the beginning, it's not as good as it could be. But like other new technologies, they will find the right way. Uh, basically, stepping back and saying, no, 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 we're, we're not super interested in, in um, NFTs. We're, we're just feeling it out. You know, we're learning. You, you guys are teaching us. <laughs> yeah like it's it's interesting about how he talks about like oh we we were like into the into vr early into we early so on and so forth like you know and and that's true to agree but like i think it's false to like kind of frame this as like oh we're just researching like so certainly a lot of companies like are researching but it's just like no you have launched actual products uh in this space yeah. like uh, like with your with your with your quartz thing, like which incidentally did not make a lick of bit of, of difference in like supporting that game anymore. Breakpoint, mm -hmm. like since like three months after they launched the NFTs, they said that the game wouldn't get any major updates. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah it. So yeah, like it. It's just interesting to see like and the rest of this interview, which is a very long interview on uh, gamesindustry.biz, like. Uh, I, I've read all of it. It is, it is basically him like deflecting over a lot of issues and saying like, no, we're fine. We're fine over this. But like this, I feel like is difficult to weave around exactly. Like, uh, so with like, in, I feel like there was two recourses. Like one is something like this and the other would be just like completely embracing it. But I, I get the feeling that uh, Ubisoft might be slightly chastened over the response to it. So I don't know. Like he, he gave a response that is that is less than a one hundred percent NFTs yay, uh, which in a way is is good. Like I'm I'm not uh, not opposed to that, but it's still interesting to see like how we're trying to reframe things now. Now that uh, the reception was maybe not what they were hoping or expecting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially since they were like, hey, people who don't like NFTs just don't get them. No, we get them. Uh, I, I, I think it might be a you who don't, do not get them. Yeah. Yeah. When, uh, we saw strategic, strategic innovation lab VP and Nicholas P uh, Porard, like was talking about like, don't, don't get the benefits, like, which is a, a an extreme example of, uh, of talking down to your audience. Yeah. Uh, which, that's as, as a, uh, as a provider of a service, you probably don't want to do to your consumers. Yeah, talking down to your consumers is uh, functionally always a bad thing. But yeah, uh, I I don't know. Like I got some small amount of satisfaction from that, even though I mean, honestly, I feel like uh, the, I mean, it'd be nice if they completely ste stepped away from it. But like, I guess we'll uh, we'll we will have to wait and see. Uh, now, shifting back over to the larger issue of the uh, Activision Blizzard acquisition by Microsoft, proposed one, that is. Uh, the, uh, the UK Competition Markets Authority like recently said they were going to be entering its second phase when it comes to looking into antitrust concerns. And according to the Financial Times, 
Uh, it is expected to officially expand its antitrust probe uh, after their concerns about uh, basically PlayStation's ability to compete with Microsoft gaining full uh, ownership of the Call of Duty series. Uh, in this phase two, CMA would appoint an independent panel to scrutinize the deal in further detail and evaluate if it's more likely than not to result in a substantial lessening competition. Apparently, uh, regulators and others involved in the deal are expecting a lengthy EU probe once uh, Microsoft officially files its case in, in Brussels. Uh, a, a source in Brussels, which is, of course, like the capital of the European Union, said uh, it's, a, it's a big deal, it's a difficult deal, it needs extensive investigation. So... Uh, not a long story, but uh, it is a notable one. Like talking about, it, just showing like how again, like this is, this is not a rubber stamp deal. Like there, there have actually been a number of big deal, big deals that have happened this year that it, that basically have been they've just gone straight through without uh, much regulation or comment or something like that. Like Sony picking up Bungie. Um, Take Two acquiring Zynga, which was also a fairly notable deal. Like that actually closed earlier than they. Both of those deals uh, closed earlier than they expected. But like nothing else has really been something that could completely change the face of uh, premium console gaming. Frankly, uh, not the way this could. Uh, I mean, like even the deal to pick up Zenimax, which is all of Bethsoft, id. Uh, arcane, etc. Like that's that went with a, re, uh, a relative la lack of uh, lack of concern, and I never thought there was any re any reason to think that that deal wouldn't go through. Mm -hmm. um, but at this point, like like if like if pressed, I would still say I still think the deal probably will go through. But like this is showing how like. It is definitely not a one hundred percent thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's important to note that with those other deals, there wasn't as much question, if any at all, if they would go through. Like you said, it's worth noting that a lot of people are looking at this like, what could happen if this goes through? It just shows you how just gigantic in scope this one deal is. Like it's it could change the industry. There, there are reasons that people in Sony are calling, are uh, wanting it to not go through. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, to be honest, like my, <laughs> I thought about it, like you know, what I would say, like what I really want out of the situation. Like honestly, it would just be like I would want Activision Blizzard to remain independent. I would want Bobby Kotick and the board to resign. Yes. Uh, and. <laughs> And I would want new leadership to come in and, like, hopefully lead Activision Blizzard in a potentially, like, slightly more diversified direction. Because, like, right now, I feel like they are continually just going into more and more focused directions. I mean, like, all of Activision, as I've known multiple times, is focused on Call of Duty right now. Like, just diversify, like, just a little bit. Like, just given the amount of history and stuff that Activision Blizzard controls, like, just diversify a little bit like let your developers do something slightly else um and yeah that, that's what i would really want but like um 
And and that's one of those things that like you know hey who knows we'll see like they're like certainly Bobby Connick is not lacking for confidence in this deal going through like he's said multiple times I think even like after the news came out this week he reiterated that he thought the deal would go through sometime sometime next year and we're looking at like again like about like maybe even a year from right now mm. like it's still going to be a while yeah uh, but uh, you know it and definitely like. Next year at the earliest, but still, like, um, he he's counting on that. He's banking on that, and it's like if that doesn't go through, like, I at that point, in that very theoretical event, I feel like the board, like, would have to leave. Like, I can't imagine, like, after you would try this thing and like, and government government regulator said no, and it'd be like, okay, you actually have to face the music. Like, for for Connick to stay after that, I would I, like, uh, I mean. Again, like if I if I had been working at this greater parent company, I would have already left. Yeah. Frankly, I'm not sure I could take it. Uh, but if I couldn't already not take it, then I definitely wouldn't be able to take it after that. Uh, since, like, I'm sure the like if this if the stock like if the deal doesn't go through, I'm sure the stock will take another hit. Um, and it just and it just feels like there's so much banking right now on like this deal going through. Uh, but uh, which again, like to emphasize, like I I do think will will probably happen. But still, like if 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 it doesn't, then it's just like that. I feel like for Activision Blizzard, that's uh, that's even more chaos. It's it's just like like what what, what do we even do now? Mm-hmm. So moving on from the su- subject of future monopolies in the industry. To yay, fun marketing for future games. I love games. Uh, that's the whole reason why I decided to cover this industry. And there have been a lot of announcements over the past several days or so. Uh, it actually all started out with the Disney and Marvel game showcase. We might be talking about this a bit more extensively, except that what they showed off was. They talked about a lot of stuff, but it was very slight. Uh, Tron Identity is basically going to be a visual novel uh, that's coming to PC in 2023. Uh, There is a a very light platformer called Disney Illusion Island. That's a co-op platform that has Disney and Friends, no release date. Uh, Marvel and... Uh, Niantic are working on a World of Heroes uh, augmented reality game, so Niantic is the Pokemon Go people, so uh, that is what what it's going to be. Those games are incredibly popular, even though they hold no appeal to me. It's going to be a Marvel Snap card battling game from Newverse that will come to mobile devices on October 18th. there, the recent game Disney Speedstorm, was uh, by GameLoft was shown off. That is coming very soon to console consoles and consoles and PC. That's that's probably most notable because it's it's going to be free to play in a uh, in the kart racing space that has been absolutely owned by Nintendo. So, who knows? Like maybe that could be the uh, the the multiverses of uh, of kart racing, though probably for most people the most notable thing was it was a game that didn't even get a title. Uh, it was the announcement that Skydance Media's 
next title we'll be focusing on Black Panther and Captain America. Uh, that's the studio that's led by Amy Hennig, who worked on uh, the the Uncharted series, uh, and she also did the uh, she also did it did like that Project Ragtag thing that that never panned out. So uh, it's an interesting choice. It's I believe it's set in World War II. Oh, um, wow. but that sounds yeah. like it could actually be an interesting story. <laughs> Yeah, it it does, it does, but uh, but at this point, all we have is a teaser title, so like, eh. Will it pan uh, out? Who knows? But yeah, who knows? Like, it's it's difficult to say what sort of how the game will will turn out, but like, uh, the the idea is solid one. Uh, now for Ubisoft Forward, man, did they have a lot to say about Assassin's Creed? Oh, they sure did. Uh, and then. <laughs> <laughs> this includes Codename Jade, which is an open-world RPG for mobile set in ancient China. Clearly a big byproduct of them working with Nitties and trying to appeal to the Chinese market. Uh, there's Codename Red, which will finally take Assassin's Creed to Feudal Japan, as, as has been requested since basically the start of the series 15 years ago. Uh, that will be made by Assassin's Creed, Creed Odyssey lead, lead studio. Like again, like that, that's that's a way it weighs out. We got one piece of, uh, of artwork. Same with Codename Hex, uh, which is a uh, being developed by Ubisoft Montreal. Apparently, it's going to be dealing with like uh, witch trials uh, in the Holy Ro- Roman Empire. Um, so that's like okay, like the, cool. <laughs> Uh, it's it's not a bad setting. Like people are wondering, like you know, maybe a horror thing. At this point, I am projecting it is so out, so far out. We we can't even say. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, both of these things will be launching within the framework of Assassin's Creed Infinity. The probably the most notable part about that is basically the increasingly strained modern day animus stuff. Uh, like is I think they're just finally finally jettisoning that, and I think Infinity is going to be the hub that will present the pre- present day meta story. Uh, basically, ever since uh, th- like Assassin's Creed Three and the end of Desmond Miles, like the present day story has been increasingly increasingly strained in every future game. Uh, so this is it's probably smart to just say like you know hey like this this is just, you you are accessing the animus I guess through this or whatever yeah uh, the only the only thing that I liked about the um, and I haven't played a whole bunch of post three games but the only thing I liked about the uh, present day setting is seeing the different load screens <laughs> <laughs> that is fair uh, yeah they're. They will also be partnering with Netflix on a live-action Assassin's Creed series, and on top of all that, like probably the most notable game is uh, is actually the one that generated some buzz, which is Assassin's Creed Mirage, uh, which is the next mainline release, which has Basim, who was a character in the recent Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It's set in 19th century Baghdad. It's uh, and is really curbing on the spirit of that original Assassin's Creed by a lot. Like the assassins have the same design that the cloak that Altair used, and they're saying like it's going to be more of a action adventure as opposed to an RPG. So like, 
I will just say as somebody who like who liked all those first spec things, I'm just like, okay, like I'm like I don't hate this idea right out, but you're gonna have to prove something a little bit more to me than just like, hey, remember remember how cool those original Assassin's Creed games are? And my response is like, yeah, I do. Like yeah. <laughs> you haven't you haven't been drawing me you haven't been drawing me in for a while now, Ubisoft. Uh, but yeah, that is that is coming to everything 20, 2023, apparently by uh, led by Ubisoft Bord, Bord, Bordeaux. Uh, uh, there, other other announcements: um, closed beta for Rainbow Six Mobile, September twelfth. Uh, uh, Tom Clancy's The Division, Division Resurgence, a mobile version of the MMO, is coming coming this fall. Uh, they also shared Tony uh, Tom Clancy's the the division Heartland, which is a it looks like a uh, it is a free to play survival shooter basically set in the division universe such as such as it is. Uh, uh, Simon Belmont and Alucard of Castlevania will be coming to Brawlhalla. Castle and Cloud versions of Trackmania will will be coming early 2023, and Skull and Bones will be made available to Ubisoft Plus subscribers on November 8th. That's the long-delayed pirate game that has been in development for nearly a decade at this point. So Ridiculous. Yeah, like, that's... I've read some very good journalism talking about, like, how that... The development of that game has been a nightmare, and how could it not be if, like, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't outputted anything in a decade? But fine, like, it, it'll be coming out, uh, and yeah, it's like, so they they have stuff. It's really like it's even difficult to say too much about Mirage because they only released a CG trailer, and it was a fine CG trailer, but like, it's just like. So, so what's the game exactly like is it is it gonna be like how much like old how much like new Assassin's Creed is it like I don't know uh, and also like watching the CG trailer which wasn't bad but like it reminded me of do you remember like 10 years ago when every CG trailer that Ubisoft put out for Assassin's Creed was like amazing yeah. it was like a movie in three three minutes mm-hmm. like they they did such an amazing job of setting up their games, uh, like it, it would actually like play into the gameplay themes of the game and like show off the characters and, God they were they were they were really really good like and Mirage like in, in living up to that standard not quite that good it wasn't bad but it wasn't quite quite that good, uh, so I, anyways still like Ubisoft still has a lot of a lot to prove to me personally yeah. Uh, But putting that all aside, like that was just a uh, not even an appetizer. That was like a one hor- that was like one hors d'oeuvre, uh, frankly, compared to what uh, Nintendo served up for us. That was a shot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I, I wasn't even going to do anything special talking about that. But then, like uh, N- Nintendo was like, you know, bam, forty minute direct. Uh, need to get this out before TGS. It's just like, well, <laughs> uh, shoot, I get. I guess we, uh, I guess we doing it, fam. Uh, and to that respect, like, so because of like just the sheer amount of stuff that Nintendo covered over the course of forty minutes, like we're gonna be getting to like the individual games that we're gonna talk a little bit about, like at the end. But like, 
let's talk about some big blocks of news that that, that came out. Just hit through them. Bam, 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 bam. Uh, one th- like, and first block. Let's talk about the ports. There were a number of ports that were announced, and big enough, I guess, from their respect to like be announced second. It takes two. Yeah. Uh, like that got a that got a choice spot. They announced that that it takes two is coming to to Switch in November. It's going to be the full game. It's not going to be a cloud game. Uh, it it will be uh, co- uh, co-op, and yes, it can be played on one system or two systems wireless or. Uh, or or online and in a cool feature like you can actually gift a free copy of uh, uh, to your uh, to, uh, using uh, using a friend pass so that's a cool thing. Nice. Uh, you know that's for for all the people who have not played it like and you know hey like putting it into the Switch ecosystem I'm it, like it, it generally always sells some copies so good for it. Uh, also, also coming to Switch, uh, t- Tunic was confirmed. I feel like this was just a matter of time. Yeah. Like that's coming September September twenty seventh. Uh, this like considering how much of a love note this feels like to the original Legend of Zelda. I and I by original I mean the first one uh, in particular. Like and and it's more like it. I I was just like this has to come to Switch eventually. Like uh, and yeah, it's it's coming to Switch September twenty seventh. Uh, I mean, I I know some people really like it. It is it is definitely a challenge from everything I've heard. But yeah, like uh, already out on uh, Xbox and coming to PlayStation soon. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's the Dark Souls of Zelda likes. I did see that <sighs> comparison. <laughs> oh God, I I I. I I, I I hate whoever wrote that, <laughs> whoever wrote or said that. That's if they weren't saying it ironically, I like. Don't think they were. <sighs> oh God! Oh, oh such pain, pain. <laughs> Anyways, God, uh, this, this is why I stay off video gaming Twitter. But yeah, um, get that taste out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, moving on. Uh, another port, Factorio. Uh, is uh, is is coming to, coming to Switch? This was a uh, a mild surprise, but not a huge surprise. Like it is, um, basically the setup is a sci-fi game where you crash and land on a strange alien planet. You're you uh, you build a new rocket uh, by using the world's resources, uh, and uh, and you have to grow it to operation and fight off the planet's wild- wildlife. And apparently, it also has cooperative cra- uh, cross-platform. A play, uh, though. Incidentally, like the setup of the game just made me feel like you know. Are, so are you the, are you the bad person? Like, are you just like gonna suck this planet for all it's worth and then just take off? Like, you know, this this sounds like a dystopian reality to me. But anyways, I, I know some people really like Factorio, uh, which is uh, just simply a, a building simulator. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is coming to Switch October 28, 2022. That that is a busy date. Yeah, uh, that is certainly going to be overrun by another game. Yes, which one it yes, is, one nobody knows. Be... But... Yeah, I, I, I couldn't guess at all. But um, uh, another port uh, announced another cool thing: Radiant Silver Gun 
is out now on the Switch. Uh, this is based on the classic ni- 1998 uh, ar- arcade game by Treasure. Uh, it has five different types of weapons, which uh, and uh, you t- if you take if you use the weapon with the right color on the boss, like you get more points. It's it is a hyper points driven game, um, and you might note the color thing. Like that sounds like uh, Ikaruga, and the answer is like you know yes, it's from the same developer. And Ikaruga actually started out life as Project RS2, uh, but but it cho- it chooses the it, ch- it chose the more binary black white uh, for its color method as opposed to radiant silver guns. And it's one of those games that like if you love shum ups, then you are probably in in love with radiant silver gun. But if you are not that good at shum ups, you will probably be c- confused by radiant silver gun more than anything. Uh, because it, because it's extremely hard and is like goes really really heavy in, uh, in on its system uh, and mechanics. And continuing on as far as the back parts, Sifu was also announced. Uh, this is the Kung Fu action bra- uh, brawler where every time you fall you get a little bit older. Uh, and you, uh, it it is a very cool kung fu action game. The, the Switch Sport doesn't look too bad. Like it's it's like a lot of Switch Sports in that like you know hey like uh, you you know that fortunately the texture work was not very extensive in the uh, in the versions on other part and they just basically flattened it even more. Yeah. So uh, but it looks fine. Like uh, and uh, uh, it appeared to be uh, run, running at a uh, g- good stable frame rate. That is coming. November eighth, twenty in twenty twenty two. They uh, hey, hey, Tuesday. Do you want to play Resident Evil on your Switch? Well, I'd sure love to. <laughs> hey, Tuesday. Would you would you want to pay full price for a cloud version of those games on the Switch? Well, I sure would love not to. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard really bad things about the 8 demo I'm tempted to try it I have played 8 on an actual console oh man I, <laughs> I just have to see how bad it is like one of the YouTubers that I follow on Twitter talked about it they downloaded the demo they deleted it swore off cloud games from that demo alone wow Wow, yeah, it's uh, that's coming October eight twenty eighth. It will be RE RE seven RE uh, RE eight as as well as the RE two and RE three remakes. Uh, it's funny as soon as they popped up and it looked like the like, and I could tell it was an unaltered version of the game, but like it felt like the frame rate was somewhat a little worse. I was just like, this is for a cloud version, isn't it? Uh, and propped up cloud version. I was just like, yep. Uh, exactly what nobody wanted or asked for. Uh, because, like, even if it was a... Well, I mean, it would have to be a diminished version of the game in some ways to come out and switch, but, like, even if it did that and it still, like, managed to be running with between, like, 20 and 30 FPS, like, some people would still say, like, eh, good enough, and still play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, again, like, going full price for cloud games, like, uh, like... No, yeah. that that's a that, that's a no for from me. That's a down thumbs. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, Mm-mm. big no. 
in the like and showing like just how like this this direct spread such a wide net uh ib uh, which is a creepy adventure game that was originally built on uh, RPG Maker 2000. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is an old, old game. Yeah, like the the original version of this came out ten years ago. It 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 got a more recent uh, updated release on on PC, and that version is coming to Switch. Uh, and it's about a. Uh, a a young girl in a haunted art gallery that has to make choices uh, to see seven seven different different endings. Yeah, like that is uh, that that is that is coming later later this year. That uh, I will just say, like for like this this direct cast a very wide nut from a marketing perspective. Like I th- I think it might have even had had a little too much stuff. Like it was it was impossible to take it all in basically. Uh, like. <laughs> Uh, uh, actually, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Like, uh, okay, Life is Strange Arcadia Bay collection. That is going to be the collection of the first two Life is Strange games on Switch. So, Life is Strange and Life is Strange Before the Storm. Uh, that uh, that that is that is coming very very soon. To continue my now to continue back to my thought, like, and part of that in just feeling like there were some weird, like themes in this that I don't think were intended in any way. Uh, our next block is uh, is actually the farm report. Like, it's all of the farm games and and, and one, like, kind of adjacent life sim games. Like, it, which is six games. Yeah. Like, in, in, like, in one direct. Like, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, that is, that is pretty loaded that way. Uh, we'll just dive right into it, why don't we? <laughs> Go right ahead. Uh, first up, we got Fay Farm. Uh, this is a new game coming spring 2023. Uh, it is a farming crafting sim uh, with up to four players in local or online multiplayer. Uh, there is going to be a theme of fantasy farming. This game kind of uh, sets that uh, you are on an island with other uh, people traveling to uncover the hidden secrets of Azoria's past. Uh, so that is Fay Farm. Uh, after that, we have uh, let's get into the worst one: Various Day Life. Uh, this is a port of a mobile game. <laughs> Screen oh, Nobody, God. nobody is excited about this game. I, they, the, it has the font. It has the font of uh, Octopath Traveler, Triangle Strategy. Um, both of those games are pretty good. Oh man, I just pulled up the Steam page to get some information from it. The reviews, uh, it released the day of the direct, uh, the direct, uh, it's at mixed 23 reviews. Um, mm. but it is a, uh, a, a, I guess life sim sort of kind of thing. I believe it works on the same real time system as animal crossing. There are 20 job classes, uh, 100 types of work for those jobs perform. You can overcome dungeons with skill management. Uh, it is a weird side-scrolling thing. Uh, I have not heard good things about this. Um, I, I I just want to want to interject right here. Like, firstly, like the title "Various Day Life" sounds like a title generated by an AI. Absolutely, uh, not, not a real title, <laughs> not real. <laughs> I, I, like, like 
I mean, everything about this game, I look like, is this a fake game? Yeah. Like, uh, is this a money laundering like it scheme? Doesn't, yeah, like, like, what is this? Like, anyways, like, I, like, that's just my, been my general impression. Along with it just appealing, it just having no appeal to me whatsoever. Like, yeah. it also just, it doesn't seem real. Yeah. Uh, it, anyways, I, I just wanted to say that. Continue. <laughs> yes, uh, I agree. It also graphically, it reminds me a lot of the first Bravely Default, and I don't like that game. But we're going to stop trash talking Various Day Life. I'm sure it's for someone. Uh, <laughs> next we have uh, Atelier Riza, Riza 3 Alchemist of the End and the Secret Key uh, that is another uh, kind of farming crafting game uh, it is said to be the biggest Atelier game uh, with the largest living field uh, open world uh, it has the largest or one of the largest casts in the uh, Atelier franchise and this will be the final entry in the Ryza series uh, tagline of the final summer the final secret uh, that is coming out February 24th that is also multi-platform going to I believe PC PS4 uh, PS5 as well uh, PlayStation PC switch yep um, after that we did get some uh, we also got uh, a demo for Harvestella that is Square Enix's next um, Another Square Enix game that is a fantasy farming game as well, action RPG kind of thing. Uh, I did see some of the demo footage, uh, starting off strong actually. Uh, they do allow you to pick your pronouns, uh, create your own character, that's pretty cool. Uh, but it is another action RPG, farm on the side kind of thing. Uh, demo launched that day, uh, it is coming out later this year, I believe in November. Um, if I can, yes. if I can interject just quickly, like this is the game that is absolutely at the center of the Venn diagram of this direct, like, uh, like you know, action RPG, check, yeah. like farm game, check, like fr from Square Enix, check, 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 yes. like, uh, <laughs> this this game like was was weirdly very prescient for the re for the rest of the direct. Yeah. Uh, though I will say, like, for, like most of these other, actually, I would say like the other like farm game and farm adjacent games are like kind of kind of like lighthearted and cutesy harvestella like kind of has a like dark and serious vibe by contrast yeah, it's kind it's, of it's, it's like interesting about, like, the apocalypse that is happening you're trying to stop that uh it it definitely feels heavy for a farming game <laughs> yeah yeah uh, totally agreed agreed um but yes that is uh coming out next or sorry this november um as well uh, then we got a uh, two new-ish uh, announcements. Rune Factory 3 Special. Uh, it is a remake of the third Rune Factory game coming to Nintendo Switch. Remaster, rather, not a remake. Uh, it does have uh, the similar added content story stuff uh, with your spouse that Rune Factory 4 had. Um, worth noting, Rune Factory 3 is actually kind of an oddball in that uh, both Rune Factory 2 and 4 let you play as a female protagonist. Rune Factory 3 is exclusively male protagonist. Uh, they did not add a female protagonist for special, as far as I am aware. Uh, but that is also a fantasy RPG, action RPG, farming kind of thing. Uh, it is, it's Rune Factory, so that's kind of what you expect. Um, and the last one, the one that is most significant to me, Story of Seasons, A Wonderful Life, uh, is getting remade. Uh, this is a remake of the game Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life, and Another Wonderful Life. Uh, so this is the first time those two games are actually going to be bundled together. Fun fact. 
this was actually in a period where Natsume uh, was developing uh, those games uh, separately by gender. Uh, this game is coming uh, next year, next summer specifically. I don't believe that we have a current date. Uh, it is going to be very similar to uh, how uh, Friends of Mineral Town was remade. Uh, a couple redesigns across the board, uh, same-sex marriage. Uh, this one is actually interesting as well in that uh, you can completely design your character. You can also choose to be male, female, or non-binary. That is brand new as well. Super great. Um, this, uh, this is one of the more unique games in the franchise in that you actually age, uh, your child ages, your spouse ages, um, so that is very exciting as well. Uh, just honestly really excited to play this game, this remake specifically. Uh, I played uh, this game on the GameCube back as a kid, I played both, both versions as a kid, uh, I played a lot of Harvest Moon DS, this is kind of the last, like, recurring entry in the franchise that I, and I mean by that and that there have been a couple of games set in forget-me-not valley so uh very excited for this game not surprised that this is the next game being remade um but yeah really excited for this game it's I I'm going to get it <laughs> <laughs> well that's cool that sounds like a lot of cool additions I was actually wondering about the whole like uh marriage and gender yep. issue since like I feel like they've uh I mean, like it, it, it's it's been a while coming. Yeah. Like, uh, and uh, it's cool that they're that they're integrating all that. Like, they're they're basically bringing it up to modern standards. Uh, what what people would would just expect. So, yeah, you know, yeah. that's as, as far uh, as the story of Seasons franchise goes. When it comes to like updating it to modern uh, standards, it's been bam, 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 one after another. Like, uh, at first they were like. We need to, like, you know, adjust to modern standards to stay relevant. Then there was gay marriage. Then, uh, and now there's non-binary protagonists. So it's, like, right away, like, catching up for lost time. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like, it feels like uh, a dam basically broken it. Like, yeah. it felt like they were kind of, like, examining it, thinking about it. And then, like, you know, they, they've just, they've realized, like, oh, this is actually what people want. Yeah. Now, now they've just, just given it, like... It's a not not as fast as everybody would have liked, but they they are at least doing it. Yeah. So you know that you know hey, hey to, to their credit. Mm. And these are um, two of the perfect games to do it with. So super great. Yeah, yeah. I've heard I've heard like among the Harvest Moon slash Story of Seasons pe people like this is a very well regarded one of those games. Yep. So, uh, but uh, switching over to the uh, different DLC and updates block. Um, we, uh, which, which includes a upda update for Xeno, Xenoblade, uh, Blade Chronicles 3, the Wave 2 DLC, uh, is, uh, is coming out October 13th. This will include a mechanical hero named, uh, uh, Eno, and, uh, she, she does kind of, kind of look like, uh, uh, a nightmare looking at her like since her neck is too long and she she just looks odd uh and we'll also add various challenge challenge battles and new outfits uh again, arriving october 13 13 2022 uh and for splatoon 3 uh they announced that the first splat coming uh between september 23rd and 25th will uh, uh drop them on a desert island and ask them to bring bring quote gear grub or fun 
uh, where they'll be able to, uh, which will alter like what, uh, what they will, the players will have available to you. So just a small update for like what will be the first Biofest and what has already turned out to be a very, very uh, popular game. Uh, and for Mario Strikers, uh, it got its second free update. This is the thing I definitely love about these Nintendo Sports titles, is that they're getting uh, a, bu uh, a bunch of free updates, including new characters. In this case, they, they will be adding pa uh, Pauline and Diddy Kong to the roster. Which is good because, like, I will say, like, the base roster for the game is is not very good. It's not very diverse, but like, you know, they are adding to it. Uh, it will also add gear, a new stadium, striker rankings, more customization, so on and so forth. Uh, this update is coming later in September. Yeah, these uh, uh, Mario uh, sports games have been a little lacking on release, and then they get some DLC content, usually free. So that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, I, like, I'm, I'm more comfortable with the idea that, like, okay, like, if the content's a little slight and they fill it out with, with free DLC, like, that's a, you know, I can, I'm comfortable with that, uh, and, uh, though, speaking of, like, actually paid DLC, uh, switching back to it is worth noting for the Xenogears thing. Like you have to pay for a whole season pass, so like you you basically get get all of it or none of it, which is a peculiar Nintendo way of doing DLC. Uh, and uh, it's similar with the with Mario Kart Eight Card Eight, where like you you pay for the uh, uh, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe's booster booster course pass uh, in the Wave Three of which. Uh, is announced for this holiday, which will include uh, fan favorites like uh, Mary Mountain from Mario Kart Tour and Peach Garden from Mario Kart D uh, DS. Uh, yeah. A lot of courses from Mario, Mario Kart Tour, which is the which is the mobile mobile game, just because like that has like a, a kajillion different courses in it. Uh, and for Nintendo Switch Sports, we're getting back to a free DLC. Uh, it announced that its uh, free golf mode will is still coming, but it has been uh, pushed back to this holiday season. Um, this free update will apparently have 21 holes from the Wii Sports series. Uh, you can play with your friends locally or with uh, eight players online in, in Survival Golf. So, uh, cool. cool addition there. Yeah, that looks uh, like an actually decent uh, update. I don't own the game, honestly. I might try it just for the golf. <laughs> yeah, the... Uh... So speaking of like uh, online updates, the, uh, uh, the 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 Nintendo Online Plus Expansion Pass will be ge getting a uh, over the course of the next few months new Nintendo 64 titles, including Pilot Wings, Mario Party, Mario Party 2, Mario Party 3. Which is all hilarious because you, you joke to me about like them making an announcement about the first three Mario Party games and not talking about Zelda, yep. but uh, <laughs> the, 
I, I laughed when it came up, but like they, they in fact did, did do both. Uh, but anyways, to continue, uh, Pokemon Stadium, Pokemon Stadium Two, 1080 snowboarding, and Site by Sixty Four. Though definitely, most notably, Golden Eye Double O Seven. Um, uh, that it is going. It is not a full remaster. It's just basically an HD version of the game. Interestingly, and this must have been part of the deal. The Switch version will be getting online play. The Xbox version, which is also coming, uh, will not. Yes. Uh, it will only be offline. That is so, true. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is that is the big draw. That must have, like you said, that must have been part of the deal to get, uh, probably to bolster the uh, Nintendo Switch uh, Plus uh, Online Plus Expansion Pack uh, sales. Uh, gotta get them where they want it. Yeah, that. I mean, it's just because it's such a complicated deal that would that involved uh, the James Bond rights holders, Nintendo and Microsoft, to come to a deal about all this. So that's why it's been for a long time. It never seemed like it would get, it would get done, but they they have fi- finally actually gotten it done. But anyways, like all of those games will be. Uh, launching on the service between 2022 and 2023. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, the those are the DLC and updates. And we we even had like a surprising uh, block, like the Wii port block. Like there haven't been a ton of like just regular Wii games that have gotten ported to the Switch. But we got three announcements as such uh, in this direct. Yes, uh, we got uh, three uh, remakes from a previous, previous generation. We'll start with the one that I find most exciting. Fatal Frame, Mask of the Lunar Eclipse, finally coming out in America uh, many years after its original Japanese release. Uh, It's Nintendo of America's finally letting it happen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, worth noting, this is following the same course as uh, Fatal Frame 5 last year. is going to be multi-platform. Uh, there hasn't been any direct confirmation as to what they're doing about the um, controls. They have said it is a remaster, though, so I assume that uh, they'll probably just... Uh, I believe that the flashlight was stuck to your Wii remote. They'll probably just stick that to either the analog stick or just make it a fixed uh, point. Uh, so that is coming next year. Multi-platform. Finally freed uh, from the uh, exclusivity of uh, Japan. Thank goodness. Uh, and no ghost incest, so double bo- bonus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, like, I, it's great that, like, again, this will be more available, and uh, I didn't think it was going to happen. Like, this is the, as I commented to you, to you earlier offline, like, the final actual last chance uh, of it, but, like... Yeah. Like at least, hey, like it's 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 something. Like yeah. it's a like people will be able to play it without like weird emulation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and all those and all those and all those people who complain about like uh, hearing Japanese voices in a in a uh, Japanese horror game with Japanese characters, uh, like you know they they won't ha- they won't have to complain about that anymore since I'm sure they'll be a dub. Yep. Uh, Incredibly so. weird people. Uh, but yep, yep, that that can be fixed. It's it's if <laughs> it's the second last chance. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, definitely. Yeah, just obviously expressing my like, you know, look, I, I understand the preference for dub in certain things, but I'm just like, come on, yeah. like this this is an incredibly Japanese game. Like, I want the people to be speaking Japanese, okay? I want like, it to come to anyway. America and have it be Carla, Amanda, <laughs> in, in a Japanese. <laughs> 
the hospital. That'd <laughs> uh, be that'd be great. Like if it was if it was a game from like the mid nineties, that's what they would do. Yeah. But um, we also got a uh, remake of Kirby's Re- uh, Return to Dreamland, uh, noted as Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe. Uh, this is a full remake of that game that came out on Wii. Uh, it has uh, new co-op features. Uh, I believe you can all play as Kirby now. You can all play as different characters now. Uh, new mini games as well. That is coming in February uh, of next year. A another Kirby. Yeah, game. That, that is it. Yep, uh, another Kirby game. A lot of Kirby games. They they love their Kirby games. They they've done some texture work. It looks a little nicer. They they've clearly done a lot of work. And I played the original Wii game. Uh, that that is a very good Kirby game. I'm glad more people will, will be able to play it. Um, yeah, like if if they were to honestly like port uh, it like any like any one Kirby Kirby game to the Switch, I probably would have uh, would would have picked this. So uh, like there. So yeah, like uh, very very excited that that is uh, that is coming out. Yes, and then lastly, uh, Tales of Symphonia is getting a remaster as well. Uh, it's worth noting it's not going to be 60 FPS, uh, but it is just a remaster of that game uh, that is coming in the near future as well. Uh, I have never played that game, but hey, uh, it is the opportunity to. Uh, that is also worth noting coming to PlayStation, PC, and Xbox. Uh, I believe, actually, there's also already a Tales of Symphonia on Steam, so it is likely going to replace that. So, um, But yeah, that's, that's cool for the people who are excited for it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's cool that that's getting more of a release. I remember a lot of people really uh, like like this game when it first came out. It was basically the first Tales game to hit here in the in the West. Like, though I would say like that's another one of those games along with you know I was saying about for Spider Man too. That like hey, if you if you really love this game, like maybe leave it in your memories. Like I, I would probably uh, also say that about Tales of Symphonia. But um, like now that there aren't uh, like. As a action RPG, it definitely did uh, some things uh, like that. A lot of other games didn't do in its time, but like I, I think action RPGs have, have come a long way since then. So, uh, but uh, yeah, shifting after that, like, and now to the actual individual games that we will do from a uh, ascending or order. Well. Uh, of of hype relatively, uh, I gave I gave Tuesday all the good games, uh, so. <laughs> all the good games and one or two stinkers. Yeah. <laughs> so, so starting starting off with the with the least hype game to uh, Tuesday, lead us off. Yes, uh, least exciting game for me is actually Master Detective Archives Rain Code. Uh, this is the new newest game from the people who made. Um, the Danganronpa series, uh, this just looks like Danganronpa by any other name. Uh, you play as a newly deceased Detective Yuma, uh, actually no, Amnesiac, excuse me, Amnesiac Detective Yuma, and his partner, literally named Shinigami, uh, which is Death God in Japanese, cool, uh, it, it just looks like, it just looks like Danganronpa in 3D. It looks kind of interesting. Uh, but it follows the same kind of thing. Murder mysteries. Uh, you have to enter into mystery labyrinths uh, that offer some slight action gameplay in the form of finding the truth. Um, 
I the only thing that I can think of when I was watching this trailer is that there was that other uh, I think it was like World End Club or whatever game that uh, they also did. Evidently, they're abandoning that uh, as a possibility of a franchise and hoping to uh, hoping to make this kind of a thing. Uh, just make Danganronpa four. Come on, guys. <laughs> we know you want to. Hey, as hey, as somebody who has seen the ending of Danganronpa V three, I'm not sure you can do another Danganronpa after that ending. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, a if, real bad ending. <laughs> It's it's something like it's it's something enough that like I might honestly want to talk about it for a topic someday, but uh, we'll uh, we'll put we'll put, the, put that aside in, in now. And by the way, like a, a real choice name, I have to yeah. say, Master D- Detective Archives Rain Code. That's a it's it's very, very Japanese Jap- title. Yep. <laughs> Incredibly Japanese. We're both saying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it and like the. Also isolating as Danganronpa is like it's the same character designer like it just looks like a Danganronpa yeah. game, uh, but uh, for me uh, on my list uh, Just Dance 2023 edition will uh, was announced like it's 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 Just Dance it's coming November 20 22nd uh, it has uh, BTS's Dynamite and uh, so I guess that's uh for fans of k-pop and dancing that's that's probably a big thing like i don't know like i i've never i've never played a just dance game neither have i if uh it it is what it is that is of course like releasing on uh that that is releasing on functionally all uh that is yeah actually it's it's playstation 5 and xbox series and switch it's not it is not old gen for PlayStation and Xbox, interestingly. Hmm. Uh, I, I was going to ask if it was going to come out on Wii, because I thought, I I know they were still doing some of those, <laughs> like, for a while. They did they, they did do that for several years, but they have, uh, they, I, th- I think that ended in 2017. But, uh, anyway, so what is the next game on your list, Tuesday? Yes, after that I have Endless Dungeon. Uh, Endless Dungeon is described as a roguelike tactical action game uh, set in the Endless Universe. Uh, I have no idea what the Endless Universe is. Roguelite sounds kind of interesting, but then they have to slap tactical action on it. Um, not not in love with that. I don't really love the character designs, uh, but it is a it looks like a top-down twin-stick kind of thing. Uh, it is coming to multiple franchise uh, platforms next year. Uh, it does have co-op uh, gameplay in it. Uh, I don't know. It's it. It's not scratching the itch for me, but maybe uh, it is kind of surprising that this is coming to Nintendo Switch. Um, I had heard murmurs that it would, uh, but it looks a little bit intense for the Switch, so it might be a little bit of a downgrade for the platform. But well, we'll see. Um, not overly enjoyed about it. Do you know what this endless universe is? Because I have, I've never heard of it. No, it's uh, <laughs> that is lost on me. Right. So, so, uh, so, anyways, so for for me, next title, uh, Lego Brick Tales, described as a brick by build, brick building mechanic, uh, for that allows you to basically assemble Lego devices to uh, to solve puzzles. 
uh, and they do indeed look like uh, Lego devices in, in 3D. This is a certainly a neat, a neat idea. It is coming October 12th. That is coming to uh, Switch as well as all PlayStation, Xbox, and uh, and and Windows platforms. Uh, Tuesday, what is next for you? Yeah, after that I have Romancing Saga Minstrel Song Remastered. Uh, this is a remastered version of the remake of the first Romancing Saga game. Uh, it is coming out December 1st. Uh, it does have new features such as a cleaner UI and a fast-forward feature with some uh, extra bosses. Um, the gameplay looks pretty okay. Uh, it is a romancing saga game, so there's uh, tons of uh, non-sequitur quests to do. A little bit of customization. Looks okay. Yeah. yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Next on my list, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, The Cosmic Shake. Uh, this, this is a... Uh, the developer that did uh, the remaster version of Bikini Bottom um, is doing this, which is which is being billed as basically the successor to that, uh, and it is coming to uh, Switch in twenty 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 three. It will also be coming to all relevant Xbox, PlayStation, PC platforms as well. Tuesday, what is next on your list? Yes, after that I have Octopath Traveler 2. Uh, this is a brand new game in the Octopath Traveler franchise. Uh, eight new characters uh, are embarking on a familiar journey. Um, they use the same classes from the first game. Uh, it is coming February 24th, 2023. Uh, this game has a new sort of uh, feature in that every character has two class actions or path actions now they'll differ between day and night uh, the characters themselves will also interact with each other uh, once they are in your party that was something that they did not do in the first game uh, so that is exciting as well um, it is coming like I said in February of next year uh, this is a switch exclusive as well so uh, it's got that nice, pretty HD 2D visual set that uh, this game actually, uh, the first game actually popularized, and it looks kind of okay, um, but it's not the top of my list. Yeah, like it's good to hear that the characters are going to be interacting. I know I, I read about that, and I was I was kind of like bleh on the game, along with along with the fact that like it it has this feel of like you know hey like what if they never stop making the exact line of like rpgs from like the super nes mm -hmm. like what if they just kept on making games like that it was like the evolution of that somehow yeah uh and uh including including the grind and uh and i'm, I'm like you know eh, like you know maybe not but um but hey like it's kept all the eight characters they still have the same kind of weirdly overwrought english dialogue yeah uh for, from the trailer um so you know they're keeping the tradition with that uh it's just, it's just like just like with the uh the xenoblade games which are all british uh for 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 some reason uh well i i know, I know the reason they were first localized in britain they just <laughs> kept up the tradition but uh uh yeah the uh next 
Next game on my list is Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line, or as I or as I like to call it, Final Fantasy The At Rhythm. Uh, <laughs> the uh, it is a brand new entry in a franchise that began on the 3DS. It's a rhythm game that is a celebration of Final Fantasy music. Uh, it will have 385 songs and uh, we'll, we'll have local play for up to two players and online play for up to four. Apparently there's going to be a season pass for 90 noon so- songs that will have songs from other franchises like Near, Octopath, Travel- Traveler, and Live Alive. Uh, that game is coming exclusively to the Switch on February 16th, 2023. Uh, that is such a bummer, because like that, that's the thing, is that Dissidia was super cool, because it used like every Final Fantasy character. This is the evolution of Dissidia. I don't want to play a rhythm game. Like, give me, give me Dissidia with 2B. <laughs> give me Dissidia with Live Alive and an Octopath Traveler. Oh characters. my gosh. That would be cool. Oh, you, you just brought up the idea of like, oh man, like 2B in a, in a Dissidia game, that would, that, that would be perfect. She would be, she'd be she'd great be for that. would be tons of fun. Uh, but no, instead we gotta bop to the beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, yeah, not a, not a, not a rhythm ga- uh, game for, uh, fan like it's it's too bad that uh, uh the city nt probably tanked the franchise yeah. uh and also like didn't really have a story mode at all that's a that's a hyper bummer yeah. um anyways but uh it tuesday what what is uh what is your next game yeah the next game that i have uh is pikmin 4 uh, we don't know basically anything about this game uh, other than the fact... <laughs> it has yeah, Pikmin! It's, it's got Pikmin. It's got the... I think they're called Bulborbs. I, I played this game a lot as a kid, or the first game a lot as a kid. Um, and apparently it's going to have like a closer view to the battlefield. Um, you know that's coming 2023. Uh, basically, all we know is it's happening. It, it was preluded by uh, Shigeru Miyamoto just kind of talking about uh pikmin is it pikmin walk i think it is something like that the mobile game um yeah and then uh he was just like oh and by the way pikmin 4 see ya yeah like a brief teaser trailer we didn't get anything of it miyamoto doing his uh role as he as he has it now in nintendo which is to seemingly just be a living troll face Mm. uh it's it's better than last year where he showed up just to talk about the Mario movie. <laughs> yeah, and he did briefly mention that that here as well, but no no functional updates. Uh, so uh, another another game uh, shown off was Mario plus Rabbits Sparks of Hope. Uh, it's a uh, like the first game, it's a, tur- a turn-based strategy game, though unlike that game, you can actually move actively and uh, with characters around the environment. It includes like characters like Mario, Luigi, and Princess Peach, and also their like, rabid counterparts, which is, uh, which is the, the charm of the game, I guess. Uh, charm in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, they're, uh, yeah, that, that is, and it's worth noting, like, this is, like, despite Mario being first in the title, this is an Ubisoft game, uh, first and foremost, uh, and it is coming October 20th, uh, 2022. So what, uh, Tuesday, what is the what is the next game for you? Uh, yes, uh, after that I have the Front Mission remakes. Uh, uh, these are actually games that I did not expect to hear of at all for the rest of the year. Square Enix has a really packed uh, year. Uh, we finally heard that Front Mission uh, slipped from summer into November, actually my birthday month. Uh, but the fr- Front Mission 1 will launch... Uh, the remake this November. Front Mission 2 is due sometime in 2023, and also announced is a remake of Front Mission 3, uh, which uh, we don't have any gameplay for or anything, just the fact that it is happening. Uh, So Square must be pretty confident uh, in these remakes. They must want to bring this franchise back from the dead. Um, We got some pretty cool gameplay. Uh, All of the models are really nice and crisp and 3D. Looks super pretty. Uh, a lot of uh, Front Mission 2 is actually, this is going to be the first time it's going to be available outside of Japan. Uh, they are adding a bunch of skills and stuff in from the first game. Not that any of us Westerners would know, um, unless you, legally, none of us Westerners would know. Um, but uh, pretty excited for this, actually. Uh, I, I quite like my TRPGs sometimes, and uh, Front Mission is uh, highly customizable. So pretty pretty excited to see that. Yeah, very very cool that this is uh, this is coming over. Like again, like uh, if you're Square Enix, what is what is old is new again, and you are re- releasing and you are releasing it pro- probably on the Switch. Um, uh, it's honestly to this point, it's making me wonder if they didn't like sign some sort of contract with Nintendo saying like you know hey like you'll put port like eight ports of uh, of old, like old JRPGs to uh, to the Switch or something like that since like. This is an exclusive. Yeah, they must have some deal with uh, with Nintendo. It is worth noting, Front Mission Three was originally a PS One game, so that's yes. that is interesting. That uh, so far it's only for Switch, but we'll we'll see how that yes. plays out. Yeah, and I remember Front Mission Four was the first game in the series actually released uh, in the West, uh, and it was anticipated beforehand, and then I. I don't feel like it. It had the impact that people were maybe hoping for, but uh, anyways, that's well. Not get into the uh, culture of late late nineties uh, JRPGs. <laughs> uh, moving on to to, uh, uh, to my next title, my penultimate uh, penultimate title, which is Fitness Boxing, Fist of the North Star, uh, which is uh, a workout game. For for the Switch, like it is a very goofy looking game, but you're seemingly playing as Kenshiro, uh, doing different boxing motions, and this is going to be exclusive to the Switch because it, it uses the Joy Cons. Uh, it looks super goofy, like doing the punches in a supposedly particular motion. Since it's Fist of the North Star, you're punching things in a particular way to. Uh, I didn't see anybody explode from uh, from attacking their pressure points, but. Uh, that is, I mean, that's a fist, it's a fist of the North Star, so, so that's the presumption long term. Um, but yeah, that 
it was a neat idea. I love Fist of the North Star, so, uh, like, you know, that's cool. <laughs> I, I have to say, if you told me that a Fist of the North Star game would be announced at Tuesday's Nintendo Direct, I wouldn't have said it was a fitness game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is fair. Uh, that is fair. Yeah. So, uh, Tuesday, what is uh, what is your next game on your list? Yes, I have Bayonetta 3. Uh, we got a brand new, uh, actually, eight-minute trailer showing off a lot of stuff for the game. Uh, that was actually released after the Direct. Uh, but we saw new gameplay, uh, new fun stuff to talk about. Uh, big things are that uh, Bayonetta is now... Uh, you do control her familiars, Um that is uh, such that you can do combos and then you can summon a familiar. Bayo is still on the field, so she can't get hurt, uh, but they do come out on the field and do some nice attacks. You can use them to continue building a combo into a finisher. That is cool. Uh, we also see that uh, weapons are now in combination with demons. It kind of has an interesting system there uh, where you can turn into a demon in combat with uh, the weapons that you have equipped. Uh, different weapons have different forms. Uh, that looks like a really interesting way to keep gameplay fresh and new. Uh, we also saw some cool stuff from Viola, the other uh, playable character for this game. She also is she is a witch in training. Uh, she uses her katana as her main form of attack. Uh, she does also have a familiar Cheshire uh, that is actually bound to her katana. Uh, so when she summons that, she actually fights with punches and kicks. Uh, her witch time is activated by guarding instead of dodging, uh, but that all looks really cool. Uh, I did notice from some of the gameplay, it looks like uh, Viola is probably not going to have as many playable stages as Bayonetta. Uh, that would just kind of make sense to me. Uh, her HUD looks a little bit more simplified, uh, so I'm guessing she'll probably have a couple interlude stages. Um, but that all looks cool. Uh, Storyline uh, wise, humans have developed the homunculi bioweapons, uh, and it is up to Bayonetta now to save the world. Uh, I did like the part of the trailer where they highlighted that she went from fighting for herself to fighting for Jean to fighting for everyone now. So Bayonetta's got a full hero arc now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, it is worth noting about Viola, like, just via the, like, nature of her abilities and attacks, like, she actually feels like a crazy mix between Virgil, but especially Raiden, uh, from Metal Gear Rising yeah. Revengeance. Yeah. Uh, like, she, uh, which would make sense since, like, uh, Platinum did d develop, uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, mm -hmm. so, uh, so that's cool there for those a little variety. I'll, I'll give you my, like... <laughs> boy like it, looking at the gameplay this is tough to say like looking at the gameplay like there's so many cool features i love being like being able to summon things middle of battle that looks great um i uh, i love that like one of the weapons just looks like a crazy demon like uh anti-material rifle mm -hmm. that's awesome i love that there's going to be a variety of like uh like guns at this point because like that was something i missed in bayonetta 2 uh, and i feel like i was maybe the only one who was just like you know hey i, I liked i liked having shotguns and rocket launchers on my feet like why, why can't we do that anymore but like you know hey like if they if i can just have like a couple different weapons as opposed to like whatever her crazy triple pistol is this time i know it has a name i forget what it is but uh uh the 
And so, like, all of that looks cool. The the set the setup looks cool. Like Viola's abilities, like the fact that you can use the different ability uh, demons, like, and those also have traversal abilities. Great, great. Like, all of that is great. It's just unfortunate that I look at the game and just go like, ah, oh, like this. The game looks old. Like, I'm just like, I wish, I wish this could be a like. It's just like oh, it's a it's a Switch game. Yeah. I can't get like it, it just like it's just like man like it's pushing the Switch about as far as it can go, but like that's still that's still not not very far as compared to like uh, like other hardware that's available now. So yeah, yeah, you're talking about like, it. Um, I didn't mention it in what's been lighting up my system because I played like ten minutes of it. Uh, I played a little bit of a character action game, uh, a demo of it. Looking at that and looking at the Bayonetta screenshot, like, yeah, it looks like an old game. I mean, that's kind of the unfortunate thing, is that Nintendo, uh, marching to the beat of their own drum, they're never, like, you know, pushing tech as far as, you know, the PS4, PS5, uh, Xbox Series XS, Xbox One. Um, so, like, naturally, these games are going to look a little bit downgraded. From what I saw, there was no like major frame droppage or anything like that, which is that that would be what I would be most concerned about with a character action game like this, uh, where combos are super important and like dodge timing and all that stuff. So that's at least good. They must have some powerful, uh, crazy code running under the hood. Um, it looks good though. I mean, yeah, it does look old, but let's be honest, Bayonetta has never been at the uh, cutting edge of the future. <laughs> I feel. I mean, the first one was a was a triple A game. That it, it's just kind of weird. Like as I noted, that like that like the basic look of the textures of Bayonetta, just because of the the hardware it's gone from, which has basically been uh, PS3, Xbox 360 for the first one, then Wii U, then Switch. Like that basically means that it's it's kind of maintained parity that whole time. So like that's just kind of the aesthetics of Bayonetta now. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think part of the ways, like, you're right, the frame rate is good, but I think part of the ways that they do it, I, like, I could see the levels now, since it's, like, they showed more gameplay and not just, uh, cinematic camera and whatnot, I, like, I could see, like, okay, like, they've limited the combat arenas, like, there aren't a crazy amount of enemies on screen, at least not from, not from the action I saw, so, like, you know, yeah, you're, we're doing that. We're maintaining fr frame rate. Like as I said, like everything about the gameplay looks cool. I'm, I just uh, look, look at it and kind of, kind of side like, and even like a YouTuber and Twitch streamer I really like, Maximilian Dude, like who was, who was totally like talking about how cool, how cool it was. Like was also mentioning at the same time, basically he was hoping that it got ripped early, so like the piraters would like put it on an emulator that would make it run in 4K. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, the biggest thing, listening to you talk about this, the biggest thing that this is going to run into is DMC5 is out, and DMC5 is yeah. a looker. DMC5 is gorgeous. Yeah, uh, yeah this, and th this game is not, uh, it's not a looker in the same way. Right. Like, I'm I'm still hopeful, hopeful that, it'll, that it will, like, all indications are, like, it's got a bunch of cool systems, uh, characters returning, uh, they're not the original Bayonetta voice returning, which is kind of a bummer to be frank. Uh, like it's, it's it's pretty obvious that like I forget her name, but like it's pretty obvious that it's not her uh, anymore. And yeah, Helena Taylor. Thank you, thank you. It's pretty obvious that it's not her. Um, so I, and that's one of those like why is it somebody different? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, like the casting process is so opaque, particularly when it comes to Japanese studios. So. Um, so, anyways, like, 
yeah still still excited and interesting to see that i, I was just I, I i'm glad you're you're willing to acknowledge that you're just yeah, looking yeah. just a, it go like man like yeah, it, like it it could be really pretty but like it's i'm excited for it regardless but oh man bayonetta on the resident evil engine oh <laughs> yeah yeah just it's just that thing it just doesn't pop in yeah. in that way like you know as you said but I, I, I will just say as like you know as a you know as a quick added uh, side like I, I forgot about this until the last moment like actually like just launching onto the switch like immediately and this was in the Japanese direct but not the English one for whatever reason uh, easy come easy golf yes now available on the switch uh, front, that is the golf ga- golf game by Claphands. Yes. yes. Uh, that 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 came that came out on mobile. Uh, it's now on Switch. Uh, priced uh, priced nineteen nineteen ninety nine. So, uh, so there you go. I'm actually really excited for that. Me and one of our mutual friends uh, quite like to play golf games together. So that's something that we're pretty excited for. Uh, this Claphands is really Claphands is like if it's not PGA the best golf engine. Clap hands is right behind them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it it's been interesting. Like after basically more than twenty years of working on so many stuff, like they're uh, struck out on their own. Yeah. I I think probably after like the closure of Japan Studio, like I uh, I I just got the sense that like continuing uh, everybody's golf just wasn't a wasn't a priority for Sony anymore. But like, anyways, yeah, regardless, they they have their own golf. Yeah, they don't like it's, you know, it's it's their like it's their own golf franchise. I I hope it comes to more things like cool cool. It's, it's come to switch. Just want to note that real quick. Uh, but uh, and uh, I'll I'll let you have the actual final thing since that's a better better climax to this this whole thing. But like my my actual final game is uh, got an extended trailer for Crisis Core. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Reunion. That one does look. Good. Uh, so I am. I'm glad this is coming to so many things. It's becoming more like. I remember when I played through it on PSP a few years ago. I was just like, it is such a bummer that so, that so many people are not going to play this. And it's like this is a really good and b a key part of the Final Fantasy VII story. Frankly, yeah. uh, like. Uh, e- like even as a prequel, like and and you kind of know how elements have to end. It's uh, like I got really, uh, I got really into it, and along with the systems being uh, be- being very very good. Like they showed off the trailer. It's all the original performances, which were also very good. Like Square, it, like hey, like Square Enix actually got me invested on the in the uh, English voices of the Final Fantasy VII characters. Uh, so like that's really saying something. They are they are always the best in casting and all that. So uh, it it also looks very nice. Uh, it like it engine like an engine and playing like they have updated seemingly to be very close to the Final Fantasy VII remake engine. So much more action based. Looks looks very 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 cool. Um, yeah, that that is going to be releasing on December thirteenth, twenty twenty two on. Uh, Switch along with all relevant PlayStation, Xbox, and, and, and PC platforms. Yep, that is very cool. Um, there are actually two quick ones that I have here. Uh, the first one, I'm just going to brief shout out basically. Uh, we got a new trailer for uh, Breath of the Wild 2. It officially has the uh, subtitle Tears of the Kingdom. It is launching May 12th. Uh, that is going to be 
Nintendo's probably first game of the fiscal year next year. Uh, we didn't get any significant details. Uh, we just saw a little bit more uh, footage of the game. Uh, Link running, Link jumping on a bigger sized glider, so it looks like there's going to be a lot of sky play in that game. Uh, pretty excited for that, but more information will come out in time. Uh, the last game that I have uh, most excited for um, is actually Fire Emblem Engage. Uh, I spoke extensively about the, how much fun I had with Fire Emblem Three Houses. Fire Emblem Engage was actually leaked a little bit earlier this year, but now we have confirmation that it's real uh, with our new main protagonist, Toothpaste Chan, uh, looking like uh, a, a <laughs> bottle of toothpaste. Um, it is a, another uh, select-your-own-gender protagonist. That's pretty cool, but the biggest feature that actually excites me is uh, what seems to be a uh, like summoning past heroes from other games in the form of the... I guess engagement ring. Uh, it looks very Japanese. It looks a little bit lighter and cartoonish than uh, Three Houses is, so I'm not in love with that personally. I, I like how conflicted Three Houses is, uh, but the action looks so good. Like the animations on the map are really pretty. Um, even in Three Houses, uh, when you queue up for battle, you still have static portraits and engage. They're animated. That's super cool. Um, it looks like we got a lot of different, uh, characters so far. We know that Martha's here. Obviously, Martha's going to be here. Uh, I've seen rumors of Lynn. Uh, we did see confirmed Sigurd, Cecilia, uh, Sigurd, uh, and I don't know what game Sigurd is from. I think it's from Genealogy of the Holy War. Um, this is, uh, Celica, or Cecilia, rather, is from, uh, Fire Emblem... Echoes, uh, Shadows of Valentia, um, super cool about that. Uh, it looks like there are a lot more costumes than there were in Three Houses. That's a little thing that's a bummer to me, but it's not a gameplay damper. Uh, it looks like <laughs> uh, the area that you can explore is a little bit bigger too. There's a lot to be really excited for. Uh, biggest thing is that this game is coming out January 20th next year, uh, so it's not a super long wait. I'm really excited for this. Uh, there's been... A lot of people have been clowning on the design for Toothpaste Chan. I think it's cute. Um, <laughs> like, everything that I've seen is pretty pretty cool looking. It's worth noting to give context for what Tuesday is saying. Like, their hair is both red and blue. Uh, it's it's two-toned. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, in, in, in a very anime, yeah. in an anime fashion. But, and and yeah, they're the it, only character uh, in the trailer like that. Like, uh, the female protagonist's hair... Uh, we didn't see any gameplay of the female protagonist, unfortunately, but we've seen a couple of leaked screenshots. It's not Hobino hair. Like, it's just straight down to her back. It's really, it's really funny. But um, I, I, I like it. The Fell Dragon in the beginning of the trailer, the Cobra thing, looks super sick. Yeah, like, there's some great designs. Uh, I, I like... It's not a well you want to go through, go back to too much the whole like you know oh hey like all the heroes of the past like are are here again like I, I think they used that for Fire Emblem Warriors didn't they yeah for, uh, for like the first to... Warriors uh, not nobody really liked that game it's not great as far as either a Warriors game or a Fire Emblem spinoff game goes um, Fire Emblem's uh, Three Hopes that came out earlier this year a lot more people like that. Um, this is also, like, that's reusing that idea. It's reusing Fire Emblem Heroes ideas. So that's not 
it's the third time we're touching this well, but kind of like the first time in the main line, so maybe it'll go okay. Yeah, like I, like all that said, like it's uh, this doesn't look like a half step. It looks like a full sequel. Yeah. It looks cool, as you said. I thought it was like it's just a great visual touch that, like, okay, you did next to each other, you're going to engage, and then like there's a there's an animation pop that's almost like a fighting game, like of the two character portraits, yes. and like that was really one of those things that was I was just like, whoa, like that that actually looks super cool. Yeah, it's super uh, like it, yeah. Yeah, like they they've made the game look super attractive, and that's actually like you know I I was like grousing a bit about like Bayonetta and its aesthetics and all that, like and like I actually felt like in this game and also in New Hopes, like Intelligence Systems has actually done a good job of using like it's not cell shading, but like it the aesthetics that they have chosen, the stylized aesthetics, like make good use of the hardware. Like they don't, uh, it's not pushing something in raw power, so like you you don't even notice that like things aren't like don't have a huge amount of polys or whatever, like, because they just managed to, to make the appearances pop, uh, in a particular way. So, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, not, not to bury the lead on, uh, legend of Zelda. I, I did have somebody note to me that like, uh, asked me like if the whole tears of kingdom subtitle, if that might be part of the reason why they, uh, the UK did not actually, uh, actually air the, air the direct is like, that might be seen as insensitive, insensitive, yeah. uh, which was an, which was an interesting theory. I think it's just mainly because technically the United Kingdom is, is in a period of, uh, of mourning right now. So it probably would have happened anyways, but tears of the kingdom definitely doesn't make any, though I, I do like that as a subtitle, yeah. Uh, though, who knows what that means? Because they're still keeping everything super close to the chest. Um, we got barely anything more than we haven't already seen, like other than a glider. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a weird magical eleva elevator thing that was like I can't even describe exactly what it was. Yeah, like, but he I, was. I've played a lot uh, of Breath of the Wild. I would imagine that's some form of a new rune, but I can't figure out what it is. Like all the runes in Breath of the Wild are pretty close to zelda items no idea what that would be <laughs> yeah they sh they showed off the new key a uh, key art that looked cool like and it did feel like one of those things that like uh it felt significant i can't describe it any other way i was just mm -hmm. like okay they're they're looking to make this as significant and relevant and different in its own ways as the first breath of the wild was like so so they're making a big swing and they've certainly taken their time yeah one thing, like, there are two franchises that Nintendo all, like, is, I, I think they're basically always working on, and they're always willing to take their time on. And that is mainline Super Mario Brothers and mainline Legend of Zelda games. They Absolutely. will take their time on both of those things. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, like, uh, like for, for Zelda, it'll basically be, it'll, it will be six years since uh like when it releases from breath of the wild yeah so i, I think uh, i don't know that i believe it because i feel like there's been a longer period and maybe i'm wrong but i think that i read that this is the longest time in between like mainline zeldas because since it, since breath it, of the it, wild, it is okay since breath of the wild we've had yeah a uh, link's awakening remake and cadence of hyrule and and um uh breath or the other warriors game calamity whatever Oh yeah, bad one. High roll warrior, high roll warriors calamity is something something like those. Calamity those don't count. Oh, uh, 
Like they there's they have the setting. They don't even have Legend of Zelda in the title. Yeah. Like and and besides even that, they they definitely do not count. Like I'm counting mainline Z- like Zelda games yeah. of, of which this is one, and it's uh and it just it like it wasn't very much, but it got people excited. It has it has a date, uh, June thirteenth, I think. May thirteenth. Uh, yeah. So May May thirteenth. May thirteenth. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, but yeah, like the, so yeah, like a lot of stuff, maybe, maybe even a little overstuffed. Uh, I, I will say that like, um, as a, as a testament to like, not get your hopes up for very specific things. Like there were a couple of, a couple of very prominent le- leaks for things that were going to be on here, which did not happen. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to discuss them since we we don't really uh, talk about rumors until like after they maybe happen. But like, you know, I like uh, the, it's not saying that it can't happen somewhere down the line. But like, man, like uh, it is, uh, you know, they're. Uh, it, it makes me wonder what, what like the sources are. If you like, you can speak with confidence that like, hey, this this is going to happen, and like, and then it's and then it's a total whiff on that. And like, and there's remakes, but like, there's completely different remakes. Yeah. Like the uh, it's worth noting, like the like somehow like that one leaker guy like got the Fatal Frame one right, which was which uh, which like that completely that I was not expecting at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was super exciting. Um... I was like, "That's that—that—that's not happening." Uh, but then it happened, and I mean, because I—I thought that yeah. uh, uh, mask of whatever mask of ghost incest uh, didn't do too hot. Made made in the Blackwater. Yeah, whoops, I, I mixed up the titles. That's just uh, I really don't like Fatal Frame Five, and I love Fatal Frame as a series. <laughs> Fatal Frame Five is bad. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I shared with you the the meme of the you know the the, the little girl you know drawing like thinking of playing Fatal Frame yep. Five actually playing Fatal yep, Frame yep. Five. That's just me. That's just me reacting to Fatal Frame Five. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, well, I'm I'm glad the last Fatal Frame that people seem to like is 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 going to get a chance. Yeah. So. Uh, anyways. Putting that aside, there was still after that, like, we had to get our stuff in before TGS, so, like, there was a uh, Sony State of Play, thankfully, much shorter. Yes. So, uh, we we have, uh, we have le- le- less, less to go into, but... Uh, Tuesday, why don't you why don't you is start start us off with with your first thing from uh, the state of play? Yes, uh, these are also ordered from least hype to most hype. But honestly, the least hype is not not hype. It's just this is lowest on the list, and that's Tekken Eight. Uh, we got a really slick trailer for Tekken Eight. It was just announced. It's launching on consoles first. Uh, we see some like honestly super beautiful gameplay a fight between Jin and Kazuya in a Tekken uh, final arena rift. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Super beautiful, has really nice impact on the hits. Uh, We see um, Kazuya buffing up his devil gene, and then we see Jin using his. Oh, looks really nice. Uh, We're going to get more details as the the time goes on, Um, but yeah, it's in development for uh, PS5, 
Uh, worth noting, it is also coming to Xbox Series X and S and PC. Uh, no release date, uh, but it is in development. Super pretty trailer. Yeah, yeah, it it looked amazing. I uh, I I know some people were were really losing their their mind out uh, over it. Like Maximilian, dude, in in particular, like he even like he didn't even edit it for it. He was just like you know, hey, like you know, let, let's let's just try try something out. And like he he played he he like started the trailer and played it over Heat Hay Shadow, and like it's it somehow completely matched. And uh, it made it even more awesome. But yeah, like it's, it is some incredible next gen looking stuff. Like, you know, my, like, you know, the statements about like Bayo and not popping and all that, like my reaction was like the opposite for this, yeah. where I was, I was just like, holy cow. Like, it, uh, like I, I had to double check at first. It's just, you know, like, yeah, running on PlayStation five hardware. This is how the game is going to look. Yeah. Uh, like, that's, like, that's what I talked to you about. I was like, this is not a game that will ever come to PS4. Like this is this is yeah, what no. the future looks like right now. <laughs> yeah, like it's uh, it's it's great looking. Uh, it's still Tekken. Like you can like as kind of demonstrated by the fact that uh, Kazuya and Jin were pu- pulling some some very um, recognizable you know karate and uh, Mishima style fighting karate combos out. Uh, but yeah, it looked great. Uh, it's apparently apparently all that was part of the story mode. Um, yeah, ex- extremely extre- extremely extremely cool. Looking forward to seeing more of that, and also like seeing all that was a reminder. It was just like in you know, a wow, like you know, it's not like Tekken it, Tekken Seven looks bad, but it's just like wow, that's a reminder that like te- Tekken Seven was first made a while ago, yeah. uh, and 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 this this makes it look look like that by. A lot. Yeah. Uh, but switching over to to my first game, uh, there was. I'll start with the first of two PlayStation VR games, which is Star Wars: T- uh, T- Tales from the Galaxy Edge. Uh, this is uh, this uh, this is coming to PlayStation VR two. Shows us some br- brief things, some very VR sh- shootery in a Star Wars universe, universe stuff. Um, uh, you interact with CPO and uh, R2D2. There is a weak weight character named Hondo who is uh, who br- briefly showed in. He's a he's a popular secondary character from the Clone Wars series. So um, it's 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 Star Wars. It's first person VR. It's basically exactly what you, what you would think that would be. So uh. mm-hmm. I uh, I played actually Vader Immortal. Uh, Vader Immortal looks better. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. Like, I, I, I don't know if they were going for the whole, um, aesthetics of the Clone Wars, uh, TV series or not, but, like, yeah, anyways, yeah, like, I, I, I wouldn't disagree there, but, anyways, w- what is the next game on your list, Tuesday? Yeah, the next game is Yakuza, or, I mean, Like a Dragon, Isen. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a fun joke, because now Yakuza is called Like a Dragon in the West. Uh, weird time to change the name, but whatever. Um, so this is a remake of an old game, I guess, uh, set in, uh, Sendo, yeah, set in 1860s Japan. Uh, you play as, uh, it looks like ancestors of Yakuza characters. Uh, you got sword combos, you got gun in there. Uh, it looks pretty cool. Uh, I don't, 
I don't love the Yakuza franchise. It's a little, it's a little too RPG-ish for me, but this one looks really cool. We got really beautiful, uh, uh, really beautiful trailer. Uh, we saw some gameplay. It looks really fluid, really slick. Um, there's a lot of really pretty colors going on there, and uh, and then you pull out the gun at the end for a combo. That's pretty fun. Um, no release date just yet, uh, but you know what? I'm pretty excited for like a Dragon Isen. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it looks super neat. Like the first of two uh, uh, Bafumatsu games, like that's basically games from the from the end of the Tokugawa Shogunate, uh, shown off ironically. But yeah, like. Uh, and you talked about, like, the characters, like, from the Yakuza games. Like, they're not actually ancestors. It's just, like, the characters from y Yakuza are being cast as different historical figures. Okay. Uh, so, so like, even though, like, you see Kiru and a bunch of other characters like they are actually different historical people okay even though they look even though they look it's kind of like they're kind of treating those characters like actors uh and okay yeah they they've done that they've done that a couple things like they actually did that with their fist of the north star game like lost paradise which like uh where like basically kiru was was cast as kenshiro um that, but but yeah, like it's it's cool that they're doing that full remake. That game never came here to the West. Like it's basically getting the Kiwami treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, and they actually like after this, I will note they announced two other like a Dragon games, which is like you know as you noted, like it's it's kind of weird, but they yeah they have switched over to the Japanese nomenclature for the series now. But like uh like like, like a dragon gaiden which is basically going to be a game set between six and seven which will detail what was ha what were happened to kiru between those two games and then they announced like a dragon eight yes uh like <laughs> which which is going to have both kiru and the uh the hero from seven who i'm who i'm blanking in his name but they're both going to be there and and that and while, while the gaiden game is going to be like a traditional uh, action adventure eight is going to be a full turn-based JRPG again. So, uh, and it's going to have both protagonists and I'm sure they're saying it's going to be the biggest one yet. And I completely believe their threat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's also, uh, like a dragon. So it's going to be very crazy. <laughs> I, with both of those guys in there, I expect it to be the craziest, like a dragon yet. Uh, like the escalation, <laughs> I know about the escalation in seven a little bit, and like so, I don't know. the The, the Earth might be destroyed in eight. I don't know. Uh, Maybe uh, with some of uh, Kiryu's side quests in zero, in uh, Kawami. Oh man, <laughs> it's just the the added power of just the side story being ridiculous and the main story being crazy. Oh, I don't. I, that game has no chance of having a serious storyline, and it's better for it. Yeah, agreed. Now the uh, the next game I have is uh, somewhat unfortunately named uh, Demio, uh, which is a, a cooperative dungeon crawling game. Again, designed for uh, PlayStation VR two. It is a it's seemingly designed like a tabletop game where you're moving figures around and they have different area of effects for things. 
uh, it's it's very table to, tabletop and it's des- designed that way. You're you're ro- you're rolling dice, things like that. So, like it, it's a it's a neat idea. Like, um, you know, I. I, I don't mind, like, as opposed to, like, the endless shooting galleries that are in VR. I'm just like, hey, like, trying to do a first-person tabletop thing? Sure, why not? I've I've seen worse ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks okay. I mean, it kind of falls into that uh, category of I will probably never touch a PSVR 2. Uh, so, wah, wah, but looks all right. Looks inoffensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um what is next on your list, Tuesday? Yeah, after that I have Sin Duality, a game that we know very little about. Uh, it looks to be a mecha cooperative shooter game. Uh, it is coming from Bandai Namco. Uh, it is going to have a companion anime. Um, it looks like there is a little bit of uh, open world exploration. There's definitely a lot of cool shooting action. Uh, it's an interesting trailer. Uh, it has like the mecha pilot and a ghost question mark of a girl who's hanging out with you um so it definitely looks really interesting uh i was very afraid when i saw it at first because i was like i swear to god if this is overwatch 2 my hype is dead uh thankfully it is not overwatch 2 but it, 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 it's a new thing it looks pretty cool um i want to learn a little bit more about it because it does look like there's like some farming and when there's farming there's sometimes crafting uh, Tuesday don't like the crafting, so um, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. But it looks interesting. Yeah, the the basic idea of like what it is, and by the way, it started off with a very pre- pretentious uh, uh, Isaac Clarke quote about yeah. uh, te- technology and magic and whatnot. But like, uh, and then proceeded to like have absolutely nothing to do with that. Um, I, I was like, you know, all this just looks like technology to me. I don't know what you're talking about, uh, Isaac Clarke quote. But anyways, like, yeah, like, you know, the premise, like, running around, you know, anime mech, open world, like, you know, yeah, sure, like, you know, we'll have to see, like, how much of a, again, like, a survival crafting game it is, like, or if it's uh, totally designed for just online play or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, Now, uh, my next thing, it's not actually a game. It is something they announced, and that was uh, PlayStation Stars. Um, so now it's previously in July. This is a digital collectible pro- program. Um, uh, Grace Chen says uh, the digital collectibles represent things the PlayStation fans enjoy, including cherished devices that tap into Sony's broader heritage in consumer electronics. Uh, early examples include Punto the Gondolier from Ape Escape 2, a PlayStation 3, a Pocket Station, Taro and Kuro celebrating a birthday, uh, Chord Machine, and Polygon Man. Uh, in some instances, collectibles will be provided as a way to commemorate past activities, achievements, or product ownership. They range in rarity, just like actual products in which they are based on, or the effort to earn them. So, uh, so this is something where it's like, okay, uh, you know, that's that's fine, I guess. This is this is a uh, this this is a this is an offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not a that's not NFTs. That's fine. It's like it's like another layer on top of things, along with like the very specific um, trophies. And it actually reminds me a lot of the stuff that's in 
like uh, ast- like Astrobus Playroom a lot. Yeah, like there's a yeah, lot yeah. of you, you you unlock a lot of PlayStation stuff and play, PlayStation memorials in in that game. Like that is a huge love note to the history of PlayStation. So it, this feels like that writ writ all. So you know, okay, like you know that. That that looks fine. I'm sure I'm gonna end up brushing up against uh, brushing up against this since yeah. it's integrated with with PlayStation. So we'll we'll have to see how this uh, how this unfolds. Yeah, it looks inoffensive. Uh, I I did see a couple things online that was like, how can you tell how or this looks very much like it started as NFTs and then they were like, quick, let's make it not NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I. I I can't deny that it, that it almost feels it feels like something like that, but but thankfully, if it was NFTs and that never got off of the pl- off of the planning yeah. stages, and they would with something else. So, uh, so uh, what is your next game to say? Yes, after that, I have Pacific Drive, uh, a first-person uh, driving game uh, described as a road-like uh, run-based first-person driving survival <laughs> game. I hated that. Yep. Yep. I hated I I hated road like so much I was I was just like ah oh, god like don't 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 make me hate you developer but anyway <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry continue continue yeah, I had to get that starting out. strong there um it, uh, it it's it's fine it's cute um but uh it is some weird kind of alien invasion science fiction kind of thing going on it does look to be a run based game excited about that uh listeners of our podcast will know that i quite like road bikes run like run based stuff uh we don't see a whole lot of any significant story in the game it looks like there's like i said some weird alien invasion it looks like you'll be able to modify your car uh there's a lot of drive in there uh maybe some time travel who knows looks pretty slick uh you got you got some bug guts on your windshield uh yeah looks it looks unique and interesting that's that's something that i'm i'm most excited for is a new idea that is totally fair it does look like a new a new idea uh it definitely looks like it's riffing he- heavily on uh 80s sci-fi aesthetic yeah. shall we say like include including like the the car they showed looked like the station wagon my my aunt had uh, back <laughs> in the 80s so uh <laughs> You know, it's a uh, but like the inside was like a bunch of uh, like wacky technology that made me made me wonder is this a Ghostbusters game or right, something? Right, right. I thought that uh, too. But it, it uh, are we in a weird uh, like Echo, like Ecto one variation? But no, we you're not. It's something completely different. But yeah, like you know, cool cool idea of like uh, mucho uh, mucho respect on. Like you know, again, like this. This is again the thing as a, like when you have when you have ten games as opposed to I I don't know like sixty games seemingly that the that the Switch reached it. Like everyone stood out. Like this, like Pacific Drive got a lot of time. Uh, but you know, hey, like it it was it was touched by Sony in a way. But like, hey, credit to them. It was called out among here, and uh, yeah, it looked look cool. Can't wait to see more. But. Uh, but to speak to a more particular thing appropriate to like the Japanese setting that was shown off, uh, we saw Rise of the Ronin. Yeah. Uh, this this is uh, the the new the new game from uh, 
from team from Team Ninja, uh, which like it's Team Ninja's output is really uh, it's like they're they're making that Chinese game. They're just finishing up the DLC for Stranger of Paradise. Like how many people work at Team Ninja anyway? Uh, they're uh, the this is uh, similar to the. Like a Dragon Ishin, this is also set in the uh, Bafumatsu period, uh, in the 1860s. Um, uh, the uh, it's I actually thought to me like after like it emphasized like the the opening of Japan to the West like, and I saw the black ship and they showed uh, Admiral pa- Admiral Perry smoking on the deck and I, I was like I was like that's Admiral Perry uh, because. Because I know, because I I wrote a twenty page uh, paper on the uh, on the landing of the black ship back in college, back in the day. So I I, w- I was like, are they are they making a game for me? Uh, and so it like if this is like their their uh, previous game, like um, uh, or should I say, if this is like Neo, then it will be a and I'm guessing it will be it will be a combination of fictional and. Uh, uh, and real characters that that are in there, um, and uh, historical figures, I should say, and uh, this, uh, this, and it is going to be a PlayStation Five exclusive, twenty twenty four. Um, again, like set during the modernization period, you're you were playing playing a Ronin. Uh, it's v- apparently very focused on like the brutality of the period, like that was. Right at the end, uh, like there was a uh, there was a, a civil war, a civil war that occurred. It seems to be really leaning into the violence. Uh, some cool combos, both like uh, similar to like a Dragon Ishin. Like you know, we got to see some sword play, some gun play, um, uh, some some cool combos. Like uh, hey, like if uh, Team Ninja knows how to do something, they they know how to do stylish action, and it looks uh, it looks very stylish. Uh, not sure if it's going to be a rogue, uh, roguelike or lo- rogue light, uh, as, uh, as Neo was, uh, no, no real indication of that, but, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I am reasonably excited for this. Yeah, it looks real pretty. And, uh, it's kind of funny, like, like how there are two games set during the, uh, Bafu uh, period, which is, like, definitely the second most po- popular historical period in Japan after the, uh, Sengoku period. Yeah. But, um, a lot of people love the Sengoku era period of Japan. It's very cool, to be fair. Yeah. 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 That's fair. But anyways, what, what is, uh... What is your top game Tuesday? Yes, I have Stellar Blade, uh, formerly known as Project Eve. Uh, We got a Bill story trailer here uh, talking about how this is, I guess, the last uh, human civilization, mankind's last remaining city on Earth, known as Xeon. You play as Eve, a uh, robotic sword fighter. Uh, She's got a gun. Oh, it's a, it's a really cool action game. Uh, this is coming, I believe, from a Chinese developer. Um, but Korean. Korean, yes. I Korean. Um, it is exclusive to PS5 now, but we saw a lot of the fast action in it. It looks really slick, really stylish. Uh, it's got a lot of weird, like, alien demon question marks uh, creatures. It looks to be that you are their last hope. 
you are on a mission to save Earth from the native, uh, that is capital N, capital A, uh, colon, T-I-V-E. Uh, yep, it's strange, uh, but it's got action combat, uh, looks really cool. The monster design is very strong. Uh, their character design's pretty good. Uh, a lot of people have been uh, commenting on the rear of, uh, of characters, but uh, it's, it's <laughs> it looks fun. It looks fun. I'll, I'll be honest. It just looks fun. Um, yeah, I, I just want to learn more about it. I am hoping that it's not a dud. Uh, some, But we'll see. We'll see. It's It looks promising at least. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I just like the style of it. That's totally fair. I, I do think it looks, looks good. I, uh, I know, uh, Ducky made some comment about it, like, you know, is, the, is this off-brand Bayonetta? But, uh, it's a, it, it's a, it's a stylish character, character action game. It is from Korean. I, I knew immediately it was Korean because, like, the person was talking and, like, there's similar pronunciation in Korean and Japanese, but like I understand some Japanese and I understand zero Korean. So like that, <laughs> whenever I hear something that kind of sounds like Japanese, but I understand zero words, I'm just like that's Korean. Uh, and then I remembered like Project Eve was also a thing, but yeah, the the story seems super wacky. Like Eve herself me- meets a character named Adam, which is so like on the nose. Yeah. Uh, the, the the characters look to have that very particular Korean doll like aesthetic that they that they like where like the pieces faces look well well doll like uh, and the yes they're the the females tend to be very shapely so um, no but yeah it it is exciting uh, the. Uh, Big thing from Korean Studio Shift Up that is going to be a PlayStation exclusive, I believe, yes. uh, for uh, when it launches. Uh, but as for me, my number one thing, like it's it's not a new thing, but there was a new trailer for God of War Ragnarok, um, along with a limited edition uh, PlayStation Five dual uh, dual sense controller with uh, with an imprint on it. Apparently, that's the first. Uh, custom dual sense that came out which i did not know but like anyways this trailer looks amazing um the this the story looks like a great evolution of the story that they, that they had the uh, the actions uh, the combat actions you you have available to you look evolve from what was already a very good system um it looks very 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 dynamic lots of lots of areas uh uh, we got to see a, t- a teaser, a teaser of o- of Odin in there, uh, fighting fighting with Thor, like like everything, like the uh, including a marvelous shot of a wolf streaking into the in into the sky and ch- and chasing away away the sun, uh, like they're uh, they're. <laughs> There's nobody who who I've talked to who hasn't looked at this and just gone like, "Wow, this this game looks incredible." Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not it's not just the looks and it's not just the action. Like the writing also seems very sharp uh, and interesting. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, like this this is an absolute highlight. Like this is a uh, uh, I, I have a 
I have a theory that like the the only two games that are really really going to be seriously contending for, for for like major game of the year awards are going to be Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok. And I think Elden Ring is probably going to take most of them, but it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if God of War Ragnarok, which like again like uh, just going on the past of what Sony Santa Monica has done, like uh, does it doesn't pick up some as well. So yeah, uh, God of War is not a weak franchise in that regards. Uh, I love the story stuff we heard. Uh, I, I'm still running with the theory that this is going to be the last game we see Kratos in for one reason or another. Um, <laughs> uh, I like <laughs> I like the interaction we see uh, between him and Atreyu. Uh, how Atreyu is very worried about his father, you know, dying, and obviously we got that really great uh, Kratos quote: "Death can take me when he earns me." Super metal. Yes. Super sick. <laughs> um, great action shot between uh thor and kratos with the uh axe and mjolnir uh i i was when i first saw god of war in the norse setting i was like how are they gonna handle that that's how they handle that <laughs> right just the exact yeah. same thing it's beautiful uh it just it looks really good it looks really good I, I do love that they didn't recast uh, the kid actor. They just went with the story and said, all right, it's been this chunk of time. Kid's older. Makes sense. It's, it's, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Like they're, yeah, they, uh, yeah, all, all the acting, all the writing looks, looks great. Yeah. Every, like every part of it looks super polished as like, as fitting for like, the first God of War, which, like, as I as I will say to anybody, that is the second most polished game I have ever played. Uh, like, not second best uh, from my experience, but just second most polished. Like, just just every part of it. So, uh, and this looks no, no less polished. But uh, so yeah, that was the Sony State of Play. Uh, thankfully, not quite as long <laughs> as Nintendo's. Like. Oh boy, these always end up being super long. But again, thank you all for listening through. Uh, we have October coming up, and uh, we we have some things we we want to talk about. I think we're going to be doing some extensive coverage. Uh, things we've talked about. We will be doing the the Evil Within DLC. Uh, that's all of it. Uh, the assignment, the consequence, and the executioner, uh, uh, and then also discussion on like what, which is fa- rapidly becoming one of the more relevant games that I guess was like you know m- made a couple generations ago, which is Dead Space. Talking about Dead Space, uh, talking about uh, I'd like to devote some time like talking to like maybe a very short indie title to, to like we did. Uh, we did some discussion of that last year, and then like ending off the month with Silent Hill Two. Heck yeah! Uh, which be and Tuesday both love, but uh, that will be for a future time. Uh, again, thank you all for thank you all for listening. Uh, check us out at Patreon.com/slash/gp, and hopefully we will see you all next time. Until then.